my shit's fucked up. Oh, my, my, oh, I see what's going on here. My power went off, so I have to reset my roadcaster. Bam, we're live. Kinda, kinda, we're kinda live. We're you sound echoing. I don't think you're in the right mic either. Yeah, we're limping. How's that better? Testing one. There you go. I wonder if I have the right camera. Looks. You do. It looks, looks good. like there's shallow depth of field. So last night the power went out. I heard the transformer. I, I guess that's a transformer. Is that what the gray box is that, that hangs on the telephone pole? Yeah, sure. Let me see. I'm gonna look up picture. I'm gonna look up. Look at this. I'm gonna look up uh, transformer. Make sure pole pole transformer. Pole transformer. Oh, it took me to a penis pump. Uh, no, a pole transformer. Yeah, yeah. It's one. It's one of those gray things. Here, here it comes. Here comes the sexist comment for all the women in the audience. I'll, let me post a picture for you. Oh, here we go. Caleb got it. It's that thing, that cylindrical thing. I think one of those exploded. I heard this huge explosion right outside my house, and then the power went out. We had a uh, four or five. We had a uh, we had a, a family. We had this, these two these family friends over. Husband, wife, two kids, and we had invited thirteen other people to the house, and not one of them made it to the house. That's how that's how good the storm was. I mean, for my, I, I mean, I don't live in Buffalo, you know. For God, did you party, Souza? No, why? Oh, um, I was no, just trying. My no reason. <laughs> you think I look bad? No. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah, no, you do. No. no, no. <laughs> um. Yeah, but they couldn't make it to the house. All the streets were flooded. You know, there's this uh, web, there's this website you could go to if you just go to PG&E, Caleb. And then if you pull it up, I'll show you what to click. And then you can – PG&E is uh, Pacific Gas and Electric. It's the people who keep all our shit going. And I think they've been in a bunch of trouble, right, uh, Sousa, for the last 10 years? Like there was a whole town burnt down. Uh, yeah, north it was that big-ass explosion, right? Yeah, like a whole town burnt down and people were suing them and blaming them. And so with the it was during a storm or something. So what they did is they're like, all right, fuck you. We'll just cut turn off your power if we think it gets too windy. So that's been a huge thing in California. The people were going to sue the electric company for um, uh, there should be a map that pops up. Oh, go back. Let me see. Yeah, that. So that's all the places the power's out. And I live down there in the in the bottom of the bottom left hand side of the map where you just see S A N. That's probably Santa Cruz, where all of them are. <laughs> yeah, and those are all the power outages that are still going. But it was kind of cool. Um, they did get the power uh, up uh, uh, pretty early. Wow, Aaron, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, first donation of the new year. Absolutely right. Thank you, and you will get some free advice for that. Please add a profile picture. Matt Burns had a profile picture. You said that because my hair looks ridiculous right now. That's why you said that, wasn't it? I just saw you yawning. I like your hair. Yawning. So so 13 people didn't make it to my house because so much shit was flooded. Uh, I wonder if I type in um, Santa Cruz flooding. Yeah, if we get images. Uh, heavy rain slam central in Northern California. I mean, it's not Buffalo. Like that story we told in Buffalo yesterday or two days ago where like 40 people... Um, 40 people died. It's not like that. I mean, you. It, it wasn't even cold last night. Did you notice that? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't bad at all. 
dude, when I was driving back, it was like 12. It was like just after midnight because we basically like did the whole hey, happy new year and then just left. And I was I was driving and the person in front of me was going like 20 miles an hour getting on the freeway. And I'm like, well, this dude's fucked up. And then as we're driving down the freeway, a very short stretch of the freeway, there was one car crashed into the side, into like the side of the freeway wall. Another car like awkwardly off to the side with its flashers on across the freeway. There was two more cars crashed into the medium on the other side. Because the water was so deep, it just lifted the car up? Because, uh, I don't hydroplane, know, probably, or I was... think they were fucked up. I think it's like New oh, Year's driving back, and it, you just had a yeah. perfect storm of, it was dark, everything was flooded, they were hydroplaning and driving like idiots. They needed the uh, patron saint. Damn Cold right. Martins. Damn right. Can you believe this sticker? I just want to take one quick second, too, because I saw Mike uh, Sedona was in the comments. Mike. Oh, <laughs> wow. So the story behind Thank that you. is, I, Susan, you were filming at Wadapalooza last year and you left it there? Or? No, no, no. I left it in Rome when we were oh. like, trying to get back after all the delays. I like le- I left it in Rome I'm on my honeymoon. Yeah. And then I did a Dear Bill and Katie um, radio silence. And then uh, uh, Mike was nice enough to, he had this same one and um, apparently was just chilling in his closet. So he sent it over to me and I got it uh, yesterday. It was at the gym. Thanks, Mike. Super appreciate it. I got your address too now. So, oops, oops, sorry, sorry, Caleb. I, I, go ahead. Sorry, huh. you got it. Yeah, what a good dude, hungover and a good dude. Um, Thank what did Audrey say? Last? Well, she said something in here I wanted to pull up about Alexis. What was it? So, basically, last night I couldn't get on the show. Oh my god, Alexis is the greatest thing to grace this earth. Alexis, uh, is uh, Hiller's uh, side piece. And- <laughs> And yesterday they were on the uh, show together. I told him I didn't have electricity. And I asked him if he would go on. Did you give him admin too? I had to because I could get on and sign him on. But once they got going, I, he couldn't end the show. Yeah, we should have given him admin rights a long time ago. That was smooth. Yeah, so he's all hooked up. But they did great. Alexis was awesome on it. He called me after the show. He's like, that shit Caleb does is hard. <laughs> uh so they came on the show. Um, I was really proud of that thumbnail too. And that was such a good thumbnail. Thank you. I, I was, I was, I was uh, at first I was going to do a theme Sevon and Hiller sitting in a tree, K I S S I N G and like put like me and him in a tree together, like making googly eyes. And then I came across that tug of war. I'm like, nah, that's, I'll do this. But then it ended up being perfect. It was like foreshadowing. It was his show. <laughs> it was awesome. So he came on, he did the show. Yeah, there it is. Thank you. Yeah, that was good. You like the the garbage truck with the noble in the back? The whole thing with all of them falling in and the tug of war between Cross and Hiller and you, yeah, liked it a lot. I do think you know what he did announce last night. Hiller announces that he is, even though he is on TRT, he's going to enter the CrossFit Games, <laughs> which I think is good. Just it, hopefully he makes it, you know, to to a point. I, I don't know. How, I'm I don't know how hard it is, but if for some reason he were to make it to the semifinals, I'm guessing they would drug test him. And then he can make a video on the whole uh, on the whole thing. Hey, you think if they drug tested him and he popped that CrossFit even say anything? Like morning chocolate for anybody to report it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank Happy you, New Year, guys. Obvious. So, ha- what did you say, Caleb? Like, thank you, Captain Obvious. No shitties uh, on TRT. Uh, happy new year guys uh, so happy i found your podcast in 2022 and looking forward to the great uh, 2023 season awesome dude thank you beautiful family uh rich 
Brosda. Uh, at 7.30 this morning, uh, Jorge Ventura will be joining us. We'll get an update from the border. For those of you who haven't been following that story, it is just chaos there. I don't know if it if it's always chaos there. We'll ask them or if it's just like an ebb and flow. But the reports coming out of there now are absolutely nuts. Those numbers are those numbers are massive. Like I was hearing eight thousand people a day. Holy shit! So that's two point four million people a year. If that's happening, that means it's basically one out of every hundred and fifty people in the United States is an, uh, a, a, a migrant, an illegal migrant. I also heard yesterday in California. We'll ask, uh, we'll ask him about this also that they are going to start allowing migrants to work. I'm not sure if I, I'm curious if there's an argument why that's a good thing. Allowing illegals to work <laughs> because on one hand I'm like, okay, they're here. And if they want to work, just let them fucking work. Well, I think part of the issue is they'll, the, the price fluctuation for work. Cause if they're coming across and they're like, should all do it for two bucks. I don't care. Then that kind of resets the whole entire, you know, low skill job, low skill job. Uh, pricing. And you're saying it's a good thing or bad thing? I don't know. I don't really have a comment on it. I'm just saying if, if you were only willing to work for $10 an hour, but I'm willing to work for two, yeah. re- the whole thing resets at $2 an hour. And let's contextualize that. I heard this the other day. We have a clip, I think, somewhere in the uh, live call-in notes. Um, I wonder if I can find that really quick. Basically, there are 11 it would be towards the bottom i think Caleb, if we had it there are 11 million job openings in the united states and there are 7 million able-bodied people who aren't working and i think 4 million of them are young men i heard some stat like that it's it's absolutely nuts uh how many people aren't aren't working yeah it just seems like a lot of those like um labor jobs or or jobs like that like people just can't especially in like small businesses like they just can't seem to find people to fill those positions it, it isn't there some sort of um like habit um formula where if you don't do if you do something for 90 days it becomes a habit i've heard that yeah and so if we, if you were in the united states government was paying people i was getting a shitload of money from them for well way more than 90 days yeah, why would you ever do anything else? Yeah, um, listen what Alan's saying here. Uh, I, I hate this shit. Illegals coming in and being uh, given the given the right to work. While here I am with multiple degrees. <laughs> I hate this shit. Illegals coming in and being given the right to work. While I'm here with multiple degrees and certificates, having to renew my visa because I came in legally. Bullshit. I see what you're saying. You, the the part that. Um, I found interesting is the people that I talk to who live near the border and by near the border, I mean within 300 miles of the border, they say it's, it's a little scary just because you just see people wandering around, people wandering onto your property, wandering onto your ranches. Caleb, you got a little schmutz uh, on your, uh, in in the corner of your, thanks. Nice. Nice. He's saving that for later. Like job of the hut. Just use it. My grandpa lives right there on that low, low Alcadonis border in Yuma, uh-huh. Arizona. Like wow. he lives like super close in this small like retirement community down there. Uh, Christine Young, don't believe all the job openings. Lots of companies are not actually hiring because it's better for them to overwork the part-time people they don't pay benefits to. Yeah, I'm guessing it's the same though in where um, Matt lives. Everywhere in Santa Cruz, there's for hire signs. 
Yeah. I mean, anyone can get a job for $20 an hour now in, in Santa Cruz. Any, like, you just go over to Pete's Coffee. There are, the, the public school here, uh, public school, the public pool here can't stay open. I'm on their mailing list and they send emails at least every week saying that they have to shut down for a day here. Or they're shutting down early because they don't have people to, uh, I've never seen anything like this in my life. So there's shitloads of jobs here in California. Uh, Jessica Valenzuela, my hubby. Hubby, hubby. Had to do assignments once a month on the border in Texas and all the stories. They don't mention anything about how they're found dead in the desert from dehydration, including kids. Well, uh, we'll definitely get into that. Yeah, exactly. Let me, let me make a note about that. Here's another thing that I really want to emphasize. I'm pretty sure these aren't Mexicans. I'm pretty sure it's like less than 5% are Mexicans. Yeah. That's, it's like yeah. everybody else. But, pardon me? It's like everybody else. Everybody but Mexicans. Everybody else in the lower hemisphere. Yeah. Uh, Jason from Canada. This is a very similar conversation to forgiving student debt. Man, reading in the morning is hard. Talking in the morning is hard. Ah. I know. It takes a second. <laughs> ah. I should have done voice exercises. Some people are responsible and pay for their education, and people that don't get bailed out. Same shit. There's a process, so follow it. Uh, Rich uh, says, the problem is neither side in Washington wants to fix the problem. They both want it as an issue for their bases. What about this idea that if you let That's all these true. people in across the border – that they become Democrats. That, that, that seems to be like the, um, the rights uh, theory on it. Open the border, let, let a million people come in, and you get a million more uh, Democratic votes. Yeah, which is interesting because they're not actually citizens. If you do go – I do need more Paper Street Coffee. I have a big cup of it right here. If you go to Paper Street Coffee, I think it's 15% off if you use the code word SEVON, and you will get those beautiful little – speaking of brown people – brown beans. Um, Jason Miller, if you're worried about them taking jobs, well, they aren't taking your job. And if they are, you need to skill up. Right? I don't know if I was worried about them taking our jobs. Just resetting labor costs lower than they necessarily should be. Yeah, skill up, skill up. Well, the other guy, Jason, said uh, in the comments that he got the skills. Oh, but but his thing was is that he has to keep reapplying for a visa. Yeah, because he's uh, doing it the right way. That's why the liberals in Canada love immigration. Yeah, that that makes total sense. And let me tell you, the, all the immigrants that I've known who come to Canada, their favorite thing is the supposedly free health care. Hmm. But let me tell you, it is not free. That is a complete misnomer. It is not free. It's being paid for in two ways. The people, uh, the health care is suffering in one way it pays. And the other way, uh, people are taxed for it. Someone's paying for it. And you're getting, and, and, and the worse the situation gets, the worse the doctors get. It's the same with our school teachers, right? I think the average school teacher only lasts three years. Why? Because their job is so shitty because the system is so shitty. And so the same thing's happening with doctors and nurses and, 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 and the, uh, the medical care that people get. Well, the interesting thing is, remember how Alex had said, like, why are people, they, people have to leave the country to go get different uh, procedures and stuff done because they can't afford it here in the U.S.? Right. Like a lot of people at that retirement home I was telling you about that my grandfather's at, like they all go to Mexico for their dental work and everything else. I know some really rich people who – I know some really wealthy people who go to Mexico, cross the border, go south for work. Yeah, me too. Um, not my grandpa. He's not one. <laughs> ask uh, Caleb how uh, – free. how is free health care, Caleb? Well, I'm 
basically providing it to myself. So it's pretty good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so, skill up. I mean, See? He doesn't even need that. <laughs> uh, with Dems wanting to do away with voter ID deeming it's racist, that allows them to vote, uh, thus vote more votes for the left. No, what, like, what what is the the thought on that? How, why 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 is it racist? Is what you're saying? Like how could they? Well, I I've heard that argument. It's fucking crazy. The, the argument crazy. that it's racist is racist. Yes, like all of these things that they do, all yeah. of them. But is it? It doesn't seem like it's too much to ask for ID for to vote. That should what? It doesn't. It doesn't seem like it's that much of an ask. Like hey, uh, <laughs> bro, well, you need your ID to do anything, right? Literally. You want to go fly on a plane? You need your ID. You want to go get money out of the bank, cash a check? You need an ID. Yeah. You want to buy anything where you're going to have some sort of a loan on a car or or more? Like you need an ID. You like, uh, you want to get your prostate checked? You need ID. an ID. Exactly. What are you talking about here? What don't you don't need? Uh, you want to buy weed at the dispensary? You need ID. You need an ID. You want to have the doctor stick check your prostate? Put his finger in your ass. Need an ID. Oh, need an ID. I just, oh, I just you want to buy fentanyl? It. Don't need an ID. <laughs> no, I don't need an ID for that. <laughs> no, I no ID. Uh, you need an ID to buy booze. Yes. Um, I got these uh, new cards from from Wad Zombie. Oh, it won't. Is okay. it pa- is that packaged? Yeah, it's. Oh, it's so oh. nice. It comes with a. Uh, it comes with that and a st- and stands. So the That's stands awesome. are. Yeah, so you can go to Wad Zombies. Um, more valuable yeah. if it's still in the package, right? Is that how that works? <laughs> when you held that up, it had a slight glare on it. And at first, I thought this was a new supplement you were going to try. I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> I would try a new. I would try a new supplement. <laughs> you think Killer's going to get that C four sponsorship? I don't know. It's, I mean, he should. He should. I think he should. But I don't know if the company's going to go for it. Everybody's so afraid these days. I'm like, well, what if he makes a video and it upsets the wrong natty or not? And you know, I don't think. People will drink C4 regardless. Speaking of which, we had a bunch of cases of that from somebody lately. Like some somebody from somewhere else brought in like cases of C4 for us. It was fantastic. Nice. Uh, that shit's like uh, sniffing crank, right? It gets you just. 100%. Yeah. You've never had it, Tavon? Have you had one? No, but I've, I've had a, I went on a little spree about a year ago. I drank bangs for a month or two. Mm. I mm. still have like just two in my refrigerator that have been in there probably for a year. And they're like a break in case of emergency, you know, like a yeah. coffee machine stops working or something. You're like so, out in the middle of nowhere, and you can't make coffee. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Dallin Pepper. Dang, you got the stack. Alexis Raptus. Um, em- Emily Rolf. Nice. The, I got a Brian Friend sticker. Probably throw darts at that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Send it to Heidi. And then he's got these like pretty. There's a Matt DeLugo sticker. There's the, these really, really realistic cool. ones. He sent me stickers for everything. There's a Clydesdale Media. He sent me everything except the Sevon podcast sticker. <laughs> what the hell? I, I, I don't know. I'm putting them in two different piles: the good ones and the bad ones. Nice. Um, there's a Eat Your Heart Out one. There's there's this one, this Pain Cave one. Very juvenile. Very hey, juvenile. No. Very juvenile. Uh, there's this one that you can put over your bed. Con Porter. <laughs> yes. On your dumbbells that you set next to your bed. There's this one I'm going to stick on the side of my penis, the fittest wizard. <laughs> <laughs> so random. 
<laughs> and there's this one that's pretty damn good, this pukey. <sighs> Stefan, have you ever played Cards Against Humanity? Do you know what that is? I do know what it is. I've never played it. I don't I don't know. I, I mean I've heard of it, but I don't know the uh tell me. We played it last night. It's just like it's the card version game of this show, I felt like. Oh <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> like, how do you play? What's what, so there's what two happens? different cards. There's a black card and a white card, and the black card. Uh oh. Uh oh. And, and it has and it has a phrase on it, and it'll say like Sevon is the king of, and it'll have a blank. And then we all have seven white cards that just have the most random fucking phrases on it. Everything. I mean, random phrases, and they're dark, and a lot of them are like crazy sexual, and then some of them are just like someone's actor's name or like something soft. And so everybody puts down their card. And then if you're the person who drew, who read it and laid over the black card, you pick up all the white cards and you read that with the blank in the phrase. And then you pick the funniest one that's funniest to you. And then, and then you if keep it, the if, black card, if, it, if uh, whoever won, whoever you thought was the funniest, they get to keep the black card. Person with the most black cards at the end wins. Who who does you who reads it out loud? Is is the, the is person deli- who uh, whoever is turn it is on the black card? Okay, so delivery plays some role. A hundred percent. You got to do it to the person, or if, if it's in the case of somebody who like normally wouldn't speak like that, like if we were playing with your with your mother, we would like put down like a raunchy card just to see if her like reaction when she picks it up, if she's like gonna read it or if she's gonna skip it or what she gonna. Oh, do. you can't you learn you a lot about somebody. When you, you could, it. yeah, you could be like some people are like I'm not, I'm not reading this one because it, you know whatever reason, but disappointing. Yeah, I went to the bank, and then it could be like skull fuck the teller exactly yes exactly <laughs> this wow. is the show <laughs> wow it just you never know where it's gonna go but it could go anywhere uh we played class last night too i had a uh, milwaukee um uh, like utility light i set it on low and pointed it at the ceiling and it lit up like the living room in the kitchen uh with some dim light and uh we played class great game god some dim light really set the mood there you were candle lit as the power was out <laughs> yeah we had, we had candles in the bathrooms and uh jason from canada danny spiegel card is 3d according to alexis so you can feel that Jeez, louise oh man i didn't like that part of the show i didn't like that part of the show i'm gonna tell you i didn't like that part of the show i don't want to say mean shit about people I didn't like that. Do you know what part what she's referring to? That yes. part of the show? I didn't yeah. like that part of the hey, show. If you did it, you just have to go to Hiller's stories and he'll give you the timestamp of exactly where he goes. Did he? Is he have yeah, I didn't like that part of the show. Oh, I, I yeah, I didn't like that. That felt um yeah, I don't I don't I, I was thinking if I would I was wondering if I would bring up even that part of the show. Uh because even saying that I don't I don't like saying I don't like that. Mm. Um. Yeah, I do. I do have great. I do have great skin. I have. I have like my skin feels like a baby's butt. It's like all soft and shit. And they do have nice skin. I have nice skin. Everybody in your family has nice skin, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 got um. We're we're brown. We're like we're brown people. We're like you, you have to know. I don't know what I look like to you guys, but like during the whole Osama bin Laden thing, I got like that face that like gets stopped. Stefan was so desperate to change the subject that he wanted them to talk about their sex life. Yeah. Hey, she said she's on top. Uh, every four times they have sex, she's on top. Every four times? Like this is. A oh, sorry. Every month. sorry. Sorry. Every no. Sorry. Every th- every time she's on. Did you see the show, Caleb? I watched a little bit of it. Um. She she was um. She's on top every th- uh, three out of every four times they have sex. That's very specific. 
Is that yeah. like was I that... asked what well, I asked what the ratio was. Now is that by her that's like her choice, or is that because like Hitler's just like lazy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I would I fucking love that. What a great that's a great ratio. The only ratio better than that would be four out of four. <laughs> what a fucking good life he's living. That log cabin, huh? That's Pour yourself secret. a whiskey and just sit back. Enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah, except he doesn't drink. I don't know. He'd pour himself a C4. God, the thought of having an energy drink while having sex sounds horrible. <sighs> Goes on the wrong pipe and you start like coughing. and like. <laughs> uh, my wife's do? on top too. I'm a power bottom. Yeah, that's, <laughs> what a great. Every At that point, everything's their fault. You just uh, just sit back and, and chill. Uh, that's her, uh, admitting she's lazy. She should be on top more. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Three out of four. Okay. Let's see what we have here in the, uh, in the notes. Oh, uh, 303. Um, this is, uh, the other day we had a, a commenter come on the show named Kurt. He said that the show is the same shit just over and over and over and I should stick to interviewing. This is 303. And I just wanted to say thank you, Kurt, because he says that and that gets me thinking, you know, is he right? And then I see this. And this is um, uh, Mr. Rogers, it looks like, uh, testifying in Congress, which is just fascinating. This is in the late 60s. Mr. Rogers tried to warn everyone in the late 1960s and again in the 1980s. Who knew that Mr. Rogers was such a uh, uh, right-wing fucking nut job uh um about an agenda on tv that isn't suitable for minors who knew that he cared about kids he went as far as making a song to remind young boys and girls that their biological sex you fucking idiot not gender is in fear of one day the media would give them the idea to change now it's right. Genders later on in life. Everyone laughed, but then this is very much a reality now. Mr. Rogers predicted this shit. This is crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I'm very much concerned, as I know you are, about what's being delivered to our children in this country. Boys are boys from the beginning. Girls are girls right from the start. Everybody's fancy, everybody's fine, your body's fancy, and so is mine. Because sometimes children think that they might change. They might have to change after a while. And, you know, we laugh about that now, but it's because we had that concern when we were little. Yeah, because you're really not sure. You thought maybe you'd become a girl, or a girl would become a boy, right? Exactly. And it happens frequently out here. <laughs> Boys are boys from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Girls are girls right from the start. Only girls can be the mummies. Only boys can grow up and be the daddies. Yes, sir. For a girl can be someday a lady. That last part was a little creepy. Can be someday a man. I'm very. He he's just trying to address it in the Mister Rogers way. Yeah, I I, I see what you mean. Uh, it's just, uh, he knew he already knew he, well, he, he, he was in the Hollywood scene, right? He was well, in the, going to say, yeah, and, he might've been privy to information then. and don't get it twisted. I'm not, I, I don't know about all the devil worship or the drinking blood. I don't know that stuff, 
but that scene is full of a lot of really um a lot of really perverse people like well i think what happens is those people get power and when people get power one of the ways that they show it is uh their sexual appetite becomes uh they become more less reserved about expressing it they feel mm-hmm. a little like they don't have to play by the rules mm-hmm. a, a lot less reserved about it and so if you have some sort, you know, if you're a guy, maybe you would hit on girls in a way that would be inappropriate or just more often if you're a girl, you might vice versa. But but if you have some sort of uh, attraction to kids, you somehow think probably you you're you become less vulnerable to being caught. Like you mm-hmm. think you can get away with more that that scene just breathes that. And it's a real, real thing there, like on every set. Uh, I picture Sevon singing uh, to his sons like that. I ra- I rap to him. I, I don't. I'm more of a rapper. Yeah, get it right, Chris. So thank you, Mr. Rogers. Thank you, Kurt, for reminding me that uh, it's important to stay uh, on the subjects uh, that are important. Uh, Three hundred two. I tried to express this to you guys the other day, and someone sent me this uh, on the show, and I was like, I was pretty pretty happy to be in this company with um, Rumi. Uh, he said the exact same thing, but he said it a little more eloquently. Cry about your pain and even some friends walk away, but transmute it into art and even some enemies applaud. Mm. And that's the thing. Uh, who was the guest I was ta- we were talking to about that? There was a guest, right? Oh, it was uh, it was it was a uh, um, uh, live call with that guy singing about getting something to eat with his wife. I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So that guy was waiting, was tired of waiting for his wife always to have to get ready before they went out. And so he turned it into art. And it's the same thing with, uh, you know, like I told you the story about how those people at the, I took my shirt off at the beach and that lady's like, oh my God, Sevon has a dad bod. Like I knew right away when she said that, that 20 years ago, that might have hurt me. But I was so excited that she said it to me in the moment because I was like, oh shit, that's content for my show. <laughs> and so that's that's the maturation of an artist when they know that they can um that you become an alchemist of pain. Someone says something mean to you and you just lean into it. Mr. Ventura. How are we doing guys? Good morning. What's that? Oh, look at like uh, any good uh New Year's Day person you're hydrating. Yeah, I got to. I, I actually I didn't I didn't drink last night, which is a is a big surprise for me. Um, nice. So yeah, I'm drinking my water. Gonna get some coffee later. Go to the gym. Get it in. Um, you yeah, you know, 2022 man was the first year that I that I was consistent with working out and running, which is very difficult with a hectic uh, travel schedule. But first year I did it, and it feels feels amazing man I, I it really translates to um to the field reporting that i do so it just translates to what we do on the ground so it's been it's been awesome why did you start doing that what was what was the inspiration you know i was just i was just kind of out of shape um what actually helped me is my mom calling me fat i was drinking a lot of soda. <laughs> there we go there we go, yeah. and, and look, there I'm, we not, go. I'm not like a fat guy i was just drinking a lot of soda during the 2020 riots like i was just eating bad it was mcdonald's and then i got home for the holidays and she was like you are fat as hell um what so a I great started hitting, yeah i started hitting the gym and then i really like with at least with my kind of guy with my group of guy friends we, we just started kind of bullying each other which really helps for, for men so you got to bully your your fellow fat friend or, or someone who's not in the gym and just got back in it, man. And, and um, for me, it's actually more mental 
it's more the mental aspect, but um, I mean, once you got the endorphins going, the confidence going, once you started seeing yourself better shape, I was never a runner because I was always, I was always kind of a skinny guy, so I never ran. But finally got running in, in the mix. Um, yeah, dude, it just it just feels amazing. I'm and I'm gonna keep it again going this year and just gonna go harder with it. Uh, how often are you running? I'm running five to six times a day. Um, so a this week is my workout. Or a day. Yeah, I want to see what you guys think. So yeah, I go in the gym. I lift for like ninety minutes. Um, after, after, after my lifting, I, 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 I force myself to do a hundred pushups. So after that, I do a hundred pushups and then I'll go run for 30 minutes. I don't know what the whole speed rate, but my, I like the rate of 5.6 is a good jog for me. Um, usually after the 30 minutes, it's like close to three miles. So that's been working for me. I was doing there were earlier in, uh, 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 in 2020, I was doing 60 minutes on a treadmill, which was about five miles, but uh, I don't know about you guys, but on the third day, my whole body would just be aching on it. Like I just, I just couldn't handle the whole 60 minutes. So I found that 30 minutes is good for me and I'm able to do the lifting pushups and, and get everything in. I like it. You're doing that almost five or six days. You said five or six times a day. You meant five or six times a week. Yeah, there you go here. I'm literally running off like two hours of sleep because I have some drunk family members that just kept me up all night with, with uh, Hispanic <laughs> music. But yeah, yeah five, five to six times a, a week. Um, and yeah, it's it's just it, it, the good thing is like for me for the work that I do is it like literally translate on the field. So now we'll be at the border, you know. I could go for like miles now on the ground, you know, backpacks, all that stuff. And I got like I, you know my fellow. Sometimes I'll be with another camera too, and they'll be just dying, man. Like they're you could just tell their endurance is off. They just they're they're just they they can't handle it. Um, so the the everyday training has been, um, it's just been man, it's been paying off. And mentally, it's 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 been great having that that discipline. Um, but yeah, man, it's just, it's just been awesome. It just really translates to on the field. The, the, it's, it sounds perfect. Your training sounds perfect. The only thing, and I bet you, uh, Susa thinks some similar things just to keep it fresh for yourself. Um, something you could do is you could turn that up to 6.6. Oh yeah. Do, and then do two minutes on and then one minute off. And on that one minute off, lower it down to three. I do. A, we oh, good, we do yeah. a lot of interval training just to keep your, your brain fresh. So it'll yep. be a horrible two minutes. And then you have that one minute to just walk and then you forget how bad it was in that minute. And then you do it again. And then, and then that, and that way, you know, you, um, you, if you do that for 30 minutes, you'll get 10 rounds in. And then That's you can true. also see, Oh shit. I ran a little bit further, even though I walked for, you know, 10 minutes or, or I didn't go as far. And then you can just fuck with that. You could also do one minute at, at 7.6 and two minutes at three. And I would just, I would just to keep it fresh. I, I would uh, switch that up. No, yeah. And I would awesome. start, I would start walking backwards by the way. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I walk five minutes backwards and every day on the, uh, either on the treadmill or on the bicycle. I pedal the bicycle backwards just so you get some balance. No, no, yeah, you're right. And um, no, I was just, I was like even joking with my parents like two days ago. I'm like, that's what's actually the awesome, awesome thing about being a guy is you can just be direct. Like you just tell your friend, hey man, you're fat as hell or you're lazy. And <laughs> yeah. it's like you know, and I'm like, with a woman, you gotta like dance around the subject because if you if you say it too direct, it hurts her feelings. So that's what that's the awesome thing. And then like I said, I got a good group of guy friends. We're just like we we like bully each other into it. I think that I mean if if you're a guy, I feel like that's that's healthy. You need it. I think if you're a healthy guy, uh, yeah, you can, you can handle that. And what's cool too, speaking of women is at least in this community, there's girls like that too. I, I'll never forget the time I was uh, working out in the gym with a bunch of coworkers and, um, the workout was to overhead squat 135 pounds. That's when you put the bar over your head oh, yeah. and you squat. And I was doing 95 
and it was a little Mexican girl, probably 15 years younger than me. And she, and we were, I was squatting across the gym from her and I heard someone yell across the gym, God, you're a bitch. And I'm like, Oh, I know that. Cause she was doing 40 pounds more than me. And I knew I tried not to look up, but I looked up and she smiled at me. I'm like, okay, I know. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, this this year, the, the thing that I want to do is I want to challenge myself to get into like an MMA gym. Um, I tried it out. Get the uh, footwork and the hands moving. Yeah, yeah, I, I tried it out earlier uh, December, and I fell in. I just love it. I just love. I love everything about it. So hopefully, I want to throw myself in. The, the the thing for me that's that always gets hard is is the travel. So let's say if I'm on the road, um, obviously I'll try to get to like a hotel gym. Um, there'll be some border hotels that we stay at that are like, they just don't, you know, they don't have that. So if they don't, I try to do like 300 to 400 pushups for like a workout, even, you know, wow. like I'll go outside and, and run. But, um, I found that the pushups basically saved me on the road. You can also do, uh, when I used to travel a lot, my go-to is, and I still do this workout a lot is I, I set the, um, my iPhone for 10 minutes and at the top of every minute I do 10 burpees. So I do 10 burpees on the minute. Uh, for 10 minutes, it ends up in, by the end of 10 minutes, you're so glad you're done and you're pouring sweat and you're done and you get all the endorphins and the dopamine and it, yeah, it's killer. Uh, Jody Lynn, holy shit. Uh, New Year's love and appreciation for the best podcast ever from the um, cabinet gal. Thanks for your dedication to us. Seven on a crew with outstanding content and guest lineup. Thank you, Jody. And I'm sorry about my power last night. I think that is going to be a thing about this show is on all the holidays. I want to start going on. Uh, every night so we can hang out uh, on the holidays. I do want to uh, bring up a link, by the way. First, first, I want to um, ask you a question. What no. hoop? Uh, you have a uh, give, send, go account that I gave money to this morning. Uh, and why is it? Who, so why do you have that account? You're not you're telling me that um, when you're at the border, uh, Tucker doesn't call you and be like, hey, here's five grand. Uh, get to the border. How how does this work? By yeah, the way, so, you guys just even if you just give two dollars, you can, or five dollars. I swear to God, it really fucking matters. So if every person just gave two dollars to Jorge when he goes down to the border, and if you haven't seen Jorge's story, we've we've dug into him pretty deep. Go back and watch the podcast. Those actually podcasts still get a lot of new views, and you'll see that this is a man who comes uh, from Ecuadorian immigrants. Uh, worked their ass off, and now Jorge has turned himself from just a, uh, a, a immigrant kid, uh, son of immigrants, um, and, and from the very bottom up, he's built his way onto shows like uh, being regulars on Tucker Car Carlson. Uh, so, so go ahead, Jorge. How how does that work? They don't. Hey, here's five grand. Get to the border, Jorge. Yeah. So, so I'm working. So I work at the Daily Caller. It it is founded by Tucker Carlson. Um, one thing a lot of people don't know is in in 2020 though, Doug, Tucker Carlson basically sold the rest of it to his college roommate, who he started the company with, um, which is Neil Patel now. Um, the thing is, is Daily Caller is such a still a small media company that they don't necessarily have the funds to kind of keep me on the field. Um, I'm so I kind of have the, the unique. I don't know if it's an opportunity or whatever. I don't know if it's an opportunity. I said, I'm in a unique position where even before Daily Caller and when I was still in community college, people supported funding me for trips. So um, right now we kind of have a good relationship where, like, you know, obviously I go on the ground. We get a bunch of great ground reporting. And if people who can, you know, donate. And if you can't donate, it doesn't even matter. Just, hey, just even sharing the work really matters. So um, any anything that you guys donate, um, literally, like, it goes – it translates for us to just be on the field – on the ground, kind of competing with the with the big network guys. 
Um, I do feel that in the past year, we might not have like the number, you know, we don't have the money of like, obviously like a corporate, like a Fox News to be on the border like every single day. And also, you know, when you see Fox News and you see a reporter on TV, I mean, they got a team of like 30 people on the ground. They got like drone people. They got camera people. They got people that like just go to Mexico. Satellite trucks. Yeah, yeah. They got the the whole thing. And then when it's us, it's like literally me, a um, a cameraman, if that, and that's like it. And it's just us kind of going against the big networks. We don't have the funding of those big guys. So um, the kind of beauty in that actually not being backed by corporate is that I get basically freedom in all of our reporting. So we get to do some of the, I think that some of the best stories we're able to find a lot of good angles that corporate uh, media isn't able to get. Um, I think one of the more powerful stories that we told over the summer was, you know, we were down in Eagle Pass. Um, this little town of Eagle Pass was actually running out of uh, room in their cemeteries because of all the migrants that they were dr- they were bearing from drowning in the Rio Grande. I mean, you had this wow. little town saying, hey, we literally don't have any any room to bury, bury people. They actually had to call the state of Texas. They actually had to request a refrigerator trailer to store the bodies. So me and my cameraman went down there. We interviewed the constable. We interviewed the sheriff. We actually went to the, the cemetery. Um, and like I said, it's one of the more powerful stories. Um, the migrants that they're burying are actually, they have to be buried in these like um, kind of makeshift kind of crosses with like PCP pipes. And um, the sad thing of, of, about being there that day in person is you do see, um, because the majority of those migrants that are, are drowning, they can't identify, obviously. Um, so you'll see the John Doe, you'll see the Jane Doe. But I did see several, and it's, it's, it's you know, when you see it in person, it, it hits you different. But you do see several baby John Doe, so multiple babies drowning in the Rio Grande. Um, so we get to really yeah. tell stories that um, corporate media doesn't get to tell. And I do have a, I do have a friend who's a corporate journalist who told me that they pitched that story to their network, and like the network didn't believe them that that was actually happening. It's like it was actually, you know, like you know, we went there, we, you know, we interviewed the people who are involved in this, um, including the sheriff of Eagle Pass, who literally took us to the refrigerator trailers. Um, so I do feel that's kind of the beauty. Obviously, what sucks is we don't have the funding to like always be out there and, and all that stuff. But um, I, I do feel lucky that my my following backs me. You guys actually help me a lot with with this podcast. I still get hit up every day, like, "Hey, just discovered you um, on this awesome. podcast and everything." So that's been awesome. But yeah, so it really helps us stay on the ground. There, yep, there's that story right there. Um, so it's it, it's it's incredible stuff that we get to really do. Oh, those are PVC pipe crosses. Holy shit! Wow. Yeah, it was nuts. That, that guy's name right there is Frank Bowles. He's the uh, deputy constable of Eagle Pass. Um, essentially, this guy's been having to like assist Border Patrol because that's how bad it, it gets there. His job is not even supposed to be doing that. It's supposed to be doing crime in the city. He actually told me that the border's so bad down there that um, they'll get calls for domestic violence. They can't even get to the calls because they're sure, even reporting 300 migrants. So they get a call, domestic violence call in their own town for taxpaying Americans, but they can't even address those because they're too busy dealing with the border issue. Yeah, and what they told me, according to uh, Deputy Bowles, is they're averaging a drowning per day, which is insane because before Biden came in, they said that they were getting a drowning every six months. Now they're at a drowning per day. That is nuts. So That's true, huh? Oh, oh, yeah. This this area of Eagle Pass, I mean, you guys are, you guys, I'm sure you guys seen it on, on, on the internet because this is the area where early in the morning you'll get like three to four groups of like 300 migrants crashing the, the the morning board at once fox news drone team like lives there so they'll you know they always have great drone of this but um yeah we, we went down there and i couldn't believe it i said you guys are averaging a drowning per day and what's crazy is 
while we were working on that story, as they were telling us that they were averaging a drowning per day, they got a call for a drowning for a Honduran man. So, like, as we're doing the story, we actually had to rush to the uh, they call they call it, they call it a port of entry too, which is this bridge. And we had a, we we put our drone up, and yeah, they put out another body as we were doing this story. It was a Honduran male, and when, by the time we went to go interview the sheriff, I think we interviewed the sheriff like three hours later that day. He's like, "Hey, yeah, that body you guys found, yeah, it's already in the trailer because we have no room in the cemetery. It's already in the trailer." I was like, "What?" And it's like, "Dude, this is normal." And in another aspect, what he told me is like, "Hey, man, like people forget, like we're a small town. We're not used to even seeing this." He's like, my men and women for the sheriff department, they got like PTSD from all the kids that they're seeing dying on the border. Do you have a Venmo, Jorge? Yeah, wow. yeah. If, if people hit my, if you guys go to my Instagram, if you click my link, I got a link tree. So we got Venmo, PayPal, we got Cash App. Um, obviously, the gift, the gift sent go. Um, any, any way that people could donate, you know, like I said, really helps us out. And even if it's two bucks, people, you'd be surprised um, what we could do with it, honestly. <laughs> I, I'm going to put the link here in the chat, guys, just so you, can, you guys can donate. And by the way, what I did is when I donated this morning, you can um, give money to the site, too. And I just put that to zero and gave that extra two bucks to uh, Jorge. And I know from the money that you guys send me that every dollar matters. And so, like, don't be uh, don't be hesitant if you're like, hey, I don't you know, times are hard. Then just give two dollars. Hey, and like for the folks who literally can't no worries. just use sharing the content to other people really helps because we're you know we still bat battle the algorithms and all that good stuff um and i think people when they see it um they really really enjoy it because it's it's on the ground it's raw um just two weeks ago you know we were in yuma in the middle of the night you know i'm breaking the story of this kind of human smuggling operation we got the smuggler like on american soil you know um i, I put the video up the thing is i kind of forget like i'm personally i'm already kind of so, so used to these things i don't think they're like the craziest thing in the world anymore but i put it up and, um, I mean, it went crazy viral. Uh, Tucker Carlson's team had me on. They ran that story. Fox News had me on like three times just to run that story. Um, but it's, it's crazy it's video crazy. you got. Uh, we, we have, there's a, there's a link to it, Caleb. It says, um, uh, you saw people paying the smugglers that doesn't, I, th I can't believe the smugglers are taking money at the last minute. What if you just don't pay the smuggler? Well, if you don't pay, you you don't even get to that point. Um, now every smuggling group is different. I was shocked myself to there see. There he is, right there. By the way, yeah. so you're saying that guy's collecting stuff from the? He's got a handful of cash in his hand. Yeah, yeah. So he right there, he he's collecting payments, and, and right there, like what we're what we're witnessing in this video, this is a sophisticated human smuggling operation that happens every night in Yuma at two in the morning. I mean, it's almost. I've been following it for the summer and I just went back out there and I already knew I'm like, I already know where to go. I already know it's going to, it's going to pop off and boom, right wow. on time. These guys come at hundreds. And the thing is normally human smugglers don't even walk up to this point because they don't want to, technically they don't want to be on American soil. Like for them, they think that like, as soon as they step on American soil, border patrols there. But under this administration, these folks are so bold. They, they do this. And I, you know, I, I, I was, I documented this one for like three nights straight on my past trip. By the third night, the guy didn't even care. I was filming him. He actually turned around after after I was done filming him in Spanish. This guy tells me, he said, "Hey, are you gonna be back out here tomorrow?" I said, "Uh, you know, maybe. I'm not sure yet." He says, "Hey, if you're back out, can you bring me a cheeseburger from In and Out?" I mean, the guy was like, "Holy oh, shit!" It just wow, looks like he's, he's taking tickets right there. You know, yeah. like he's just. That's hey, what really, is really quick, I want. I want. I just want to add for the audience what we're seeing here. You know. You, we're not just going to see Central Americans or South Americans. We're seeing 
people from all over the world get smuggled in this little group in these groups. Not a, it's not a little group, these, these these groups. So you'll see folks from Peru, Cuba, Brazil, but then you'll meet people from Afghanistan, from Russia, from Georgia, Uzbekistan. Um, you know, I didn't even know Uzbekistan was a country to be honest. I was covering Yuma, uh, but you're meeting folks from Europe, all Middle East, all over. They come through Yuma. It's, it's, it's insane. How many Mexicans? Very few. Very few Mexicans because Mexicans get automatically expelled um, back to Mexico. That's already it's an agreement that's been around for a while. So there's kind of this thinking that people think that oh, it's Mexicans. It's you won't even. It's rarely you'll see a Mexican crossing because they already know. They, can't they, they just say they're from, um, why can't they just say they're from Nicaragua? Um, I mean, they'll, I mean, they'll they'll run their identification and everything, and then you know they'll they end up finding out. Wow, crazy! Yeah. Um, did you did you buy the guy the, the burger? No, no, I, I didn't return the next the next day. But I was that was a good chuckle. I you know I was like, you know what I appreciate the sense of humor. That right. was good. Um. And look, hey, I mean, like, you kind of should buy him the burger at that point. It, it's kind of I mean, part of me is like, well, could they bust him for being an accomplice for. Um, but on the other hand, you could say it's humanitarian because he's out there. But also you got to watch. I mean, you're trying to make contacts on both sides. You're trying to actually tell the story. Right. So if you yeah. can make friends with the smuggler by bringing him an in and out. and some well, at, fries, first, at first, the smugglers freak out because they, when they first see me, they say, hey, are you. They, they, they thought I was a fed. They thought I was like a law enforcement guy. And I was like, look, I'm just a reporter. My job is not even, my job is just to film what's going on. I'm not going to arrest you, bro. I don't, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't care. Like this is their, this is, I mean, this is their problem. The federal government's problem. Um, I'm, and then the guy was pretty cool after that. And then he just let me do my thing. Yuma sketchy because Yuma the, the, the location where, um, last year, not 2022, but back in, uh, 21 in October, is where I had the human smuggler um, with the whole gun situation. So I remember guys, seeing yeah. that footage. Yeah. yeah. So that happened in, in Yuma. So you have to watch out these areas because um, these guys are just brazen with it now that done there. How close is that to Los Alcadones? Oh, I think I think the the Mexican town across from is Los Los Alcadones. So the way you have San Diego and Tijuana, you have Yuma and Los Alcadones, and Los Alcadones has become a essential crossing point for migrants from all over the world so like if you're in texas you're you know you're not really going to see a russian it'd be very rare um but down there you know you're seeing russians folks from georgia you'll see a lot of a lot of men from india um cubans i mean it's it's insane the amount of, of folks that come come through there and it's it's a sophisticated operation I, the first time i went to yuma was i think it was last year in the summer you know i went out there in the daytime and then a, a border patrol agent pulls me to the side and said hey man i'm just letting you know you're not going to see nothing right now I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, it's 110 degrees. Like, everything happens at night. You got to come back at night, and then came back, and I was, I was just shocked to see the groups these guys smuggle in and how they're able to overwhelm these guys. I mean, I'm on this very last trip, like I said, I was there like just a week ago, two weeks ago. It got, it got to a point where it was like around six in the morning. I remember just staring at a group of 300 migrants with no agents to apprehend them. Like it was like, I remember I looked around and there was no one. I mean these. If the Magus wanted to, they could have literally like ran into the U.S. even further. But there's no need to when Border Patrol is going to process you and then release you. And then once Border Patrol releases you, you're legally allowed to be in the U.S. after that. Like after that, I just don't get it. Yeah. I'm just struggling to get. Wow. And the thing is, I can't like it's hard for like. Let me ask a dumb question. Like, like, like imagine you're just staring at like almost like three, like I can't explain, it, but 300 people like are just 
waiting for border patrol. There was no agents to apprehend him. Like I'm looking around, no one, and you're just like, this is every day. Like no other country in the world is allowing this amount of illegal immigration. Like why do we have to be the first? And I was like looking at history, and like you know, I was, I was like studying immigration, and it was saying that like societies can't handle this like radical shift in population like it just we just can't we're not we're not accustomed to 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 handling that like like if you think about our people like all of our people like we come from small villages and towns and then it, it developed over time to like you know living being used to living in a major city like la like we're just not used to this huge radical change and every country that i look at that's allowing a huge amount of illegal immigration or even just legal immigration has massive problems with culture. Switzerland, Netherlands, like all these countries that like want to let France, it. Out France got a huge problem. France has a massive problem. I've always just seen over the World Cup when like Morocco would win, all these Moroccans would like would would riot in Belgium, in Paris, and like all these cities in Spain because they all migrated to these other countries. So it's just like, I, you know, when you see it in person, it's just like this is. That's why I've used the word, and it is appropriate. I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm lying here, but I've used the word humanitarian crisis because americans love to think or, or or tend to think humanitarian crisis oh well that happens in yemen or that happens somewhere far away in africa it's like no it's it's happening here like it's 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 happening like three hours from a major city like like phoenix it's happening <laughs> like it's it's, it's real I, I, I saw a number um eight thousand a day are crossing the border is that right yeah that's that's accurate. They're expecting if Title Forty Two, which you know, it, it, it basically Supreme Court said it has to stay till you know we hear you know decisions and all that stuff um, back in, in to at least spring. But if Title Forty Two lifted, Department of Homeland Security thought that it was going to go from eight thousand to fourteen thousand a day, which would be, I mean, how long insane. has it been at eight thousand a day? Wow, is it is, is it like a month it's, straight? It's, it's been basically since Biden's come in, it's been hovering between six to eight. Five and eight, but not. But right now, we're getting back to the the six and eight because it's just been, it's been a it's, it's been a disaster because you had thousands of, of uh, migrants move to all these border towns thinking that Title Forty Two was going to be lifted. Now look, Title Forty Two, whether it stays or not, you're still going to get. It's not going to stop people from coming uh, illegally, like you know. But um, but after it stayed, a lot of folks that I interviewed were like, "Hey, we're still going to come in." So El Paso, which was was which was seen about a thousand a day. They were, they're now seeing 2,000, and we're thinking that they were going to get up to 5,000. What's um, the population of El Paso? Oh, I mean, on top of my head, I, I, I wouldn't know. But El Paso, I would say, is... 500,000? Maybe, yeah. Caleb, Paso, Caleb will tell us in a second. Here's the reason. I want to contextualize this for people. 670,000. So, so in two years, if 1,000 people come in a day in two years, that city would be completely overrun. There would be more migrants than there are citizens. Well, the thing is, how can is that, that is, fucking? How is that sustainable? That, and that's the, that's the argument that that us on the border are, are are trying to make. It's like, dude, we're allowing massive waves of of illegal immigration. The, the November numbers just came out, and we apprehended over two hundred thousand migrants. And the thing is, that's only the ones we wow. apprehend. They're still the gotaway number. Those are the numbers that Border Patrol, um, they detect with technology, but they can't apprehend. And those folks are in the country, and we don't know their background. And, and majority of the reason why they want to be gotaways is because they already have a criminal history in the U.S. They've been deported for some reason because they broke some law. They have drugs on them. sketchy individual, um, you know, cartel-related, bringing drugs. Like, well, at the end of the day, we don't know. Um, at least the people that, like, that we see that I'm filming, at least they're turning themselves in, but 
we have a massive, massive issue. Um, this to me, you know, we might not feel it. I mean, I think, I mean, we're already feeling it directly, but we're going to feel it in, I think, five to 10 years. Massive uh, wave of, of low wage workers, uh, uneducated workers. Are some going to simulate? Yeah. Well, shit, if we can just get some workers, that would help. If we can just get workers, the people in this country don't even want to work. Chris Corradino, uh, 365 times two times 5,000 is 3.6 million. That would mean that one out of every hundred people after two years at this rate, that would be one out of every uh, Biden and Harris have already let in. Biden and Harris have already let in more people than eight years of Obama. I mean, they used to call Obama the, wow. the porter in chief. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, like Democrats, wow. like, you know, if you look at history, like tem- Democrats, you know, normally have actually been tough on the border. Now, are they have been tough as Republicans? No, but they've been tough on the border. They know about illegal immigration. One of my favorite clips, I think I've, I mentioned it to you guys plenty of times on the show, but I still love it, is the 2015 Bernie Sanders is being interviewed by this progressive journalist. And the progressive journalist is like, why can't we have open borders? Like, why can't we, you know, help all these poor people in these countries? And even Bernie, Democratic Socialist Bernie goes, if we have open borders, corporations love it because it's going to undermine American workers. He called it a Koch brothers conspiracy. Bernie Sanders himself called it that. I mean, it's insane if we would, if we would, we would uh, replay that clip now. Um, but, you know, Democrats used to have this tough on the border stance they knew that you have to protect uh, uh american wages bill clinton even bill clinton of all people has speeches about this um but this administration has been i mean i don't know what it is at this point it could is it on purpose i, I mean I, it's you know it certainly feels like it at this point but no other country in the world allows this and the funny thing is when i post some of my immigration videos i get a lot of uh response from people in japan so the great thing about twitter is you know, you, I just hit the Google Translate. I'm seeing what these people in Japan are saying, and they're like laughing at us. They're like, they're like, they're like the U.S. is the, the weakest country in the world. Can't even protect its own borders. Like, well, we're not a country if we can't Europe. protect our borders. We're not yeah, a country. I, mean, I think Japan. Yeah, I think Japan. I mean, I, I'm you know, I, I'm, I'm not gonna get the number right, but I think Japan lets in like ten illegal immigrants per year, if that, into Crazy. Japan. Like, it's insane. Uh. Oh. Um, Gino Sadahas, uh, Jorge, can you clarify your cash app? Not sure which Jorge Ventura to use. Linktree didn't pull up your cash app. Thanks for your work you're doing from those of us here in San Antonio. Um, it should be the one there uh, uh, in the Linktree cash app. Um, if not, uh, I believe if you just put like Jorge Ventura or Ventura Report. Oh, there it is. Ventura, the Ventura Report. Um, that should be the, the legit one. That one right there is the legit one. So we'll leave that um, on the screen. Yeah. All you have to do if you have a phone is point your camera at the screen right now. We'll leave it up here for uh, a minute and then um, click the link and it'll take you to wherever you can donate a few dollars to keep the reporting going. So uh, uh, CD uh, Daywalker, make no mistake. This is an invasion. Um, how do you know if someone's carrying drugs or not, Jorge? What do they have a, d- a distinct look to them? Can, can you profile someone who's carrying drugs? And and what drugs are they? So the way you could cam- you could you could kind of um, tell if they are. Now look, now we're, we're the areas that we're hitting, guys. Like the we're, we're filming human like people being smuggled. Those folks are not going to have drugs because the people who are running drugs are all going to be real connected. I know uh, they're going to be really close to the cartel. So what I mean by that is. The cartel controls the border. So when when you, when, you know when, when I'm filming something, let's say you guys see a video. That's mine. such a strong statement. The cartel controls mm. the border. Like, come on, yeah. man, really? Well, well let, let me let me explain what, what I mean by that. Is is you're scaring you're, me? 
when you guys see, well, look, when you guys see my videos or, you know, other reporters, when you guys see these groups of 200, 300 migrants hitting one border spot, that's that's controlled by the cartel. And they do that to overwhelm Border Patrol officials on purpose. So the folks who are running the drugs in, we're never going to catch them in ca on camera because they're hitting really rural areas and areas that, I mean, you're just not going to get to um, it, on, on foot almost. It, it's very difficult. And the areas that, that you know, we see on, on, on film, I mean, they're doing that to overwhelm officials. So the folks who are running in, you won't see them as much. Now, the good thing is I've been able to work with a lot of Texas ranchers. Um, and the thing is, a lot of these these uh, these cartel guys, these smugglers, um, they actually have pinpoints on their phones. So some of these pinpoints, once they hit the U.S., will actually be on some of these, uh, like it could be on a, on a Texas rancher's ranch. Like these are just regular people. So I've actually ha have gone to some of these properties and we've gone, um, we basically we're able to pull footage from you know little homes or, or little buildings that they have um i mean these, these ranches are huge in texas for those folks who know so they have you know multiple buildings but we're able to pull footage and one of the distinctions is folks who are running drugs they're always going to be in the camouflage gear so you're never going to see them in normal migrant gear they're going to be camouflaged they're in this um i forgot the, the name of the, the shoe but they, they wear a shoe that actually hides their hides their tracks um we, we find the shoe all over um, wow. So they'll be kind of dressed in that gear, and they're they're I mean they're on a mission, so they're not going to be in areas where we are with reporters, we're border patrol. I mean they they hit areas kind of in the middle of the night in the camouflage gear, and then they have pinpoints on their cell phones. We've actually talked to ranchers that were able to catch some of these guys, which is pretty insane. Um, and then they're able to retrieve some of these phones, which is like it's it's incredible. But we, one of my favorite is we interviewed a Texas rancher by the name of Eddie. This guy's just badass. This guy's like seventy five years old. He should be retired. Like this guy should be sipping pina coladas, but he um he has a passion for like defending his ranch. One of his ranch is a um is on a pinpoint for cartel. So this guy almost on a daily has uh, what they call guideways now running through his property, using his property um to be moved to be shipping to be moving drugs uh, in different areas. Um, so he's caught some of these folks, got 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 in like pictures of them, and this guy always has to be armed. I mean to the T. Um, cause you, you know, who knows what these folks could do, but he's been, what he tells me is, um, you know, he feels like if he doesn't defend his ranch, no one will. And, and that's someone's got to do it. So, um, you hear those types of stories all the time down there in, in, in Texas. It's, it's actually quite, quite normal now. So if, if let's say if, if 5,000 people are coming across a day, where are the, where do these people sleep on their first night? Yeah, where do they, they go? That's so many fucking people. Who, where do, what do they eat? Do they have some money on them? Do they start just, what do they, how do they survive? And what's their next plan of action once they cross family? So, so for the majority, they could think basically the U S federal government, because ah, what essentially happens is, Holy oh, shit. Oh, Holy shit. There's entities like that? Yeah. So so this that looks like Berkeley, California. That looks so like Portland. This, <laughs> this was in Juarez. So across Juarez is El Paso. So we broke this story about a month before you started to see like massive waves crashing El Paso even to the point where El Paso had to declare an emergency. So just to answer the question, so the majority of the, I'm just speaking for the majority here. The majority of these migrants, they cross illegally into the U.S. They'll get picked up by Border Patrol. Then they're taken to a processing station, a processing center. At the center is where Border Patrol is able to get information. Who are these folks? Are they criminals? Are they not? Are they seeking asylum? What's their ordeal? The thing is, because of this administration of how they basically have an open border policy, 
So many migrants are crashing the border at once. These processing centers are becoming overwhelmed, overfilled, overcapacity, um, everything, right? So what Border Patrol does is they, go, they do a couple of things. They say, okay, once we're overwhelmed, we either take them to an NGO, which could be like a Catholic church, you know, a, a type of, that, that type of organization. Catholic churches right now, like NGOs, um, if they're if they're taken to them, they'll then organize the travel for that migrant. And some of these NGOs are being reimbursed by the federal government. So so a lot of these Catholic churches are doing is they'll get that migrant and then get them to a major city or connect them to a family member in a major city. So they'll able to transport them. If it, a lot of what the federal government is doing is the federal government is also transporting these people to family members and putting them on planes, anything they could do. So if you go to El Paso right now. And try to get a flight. I'm telling you right now, out of El Paso, it's going to be minimum 1300 bucks because they're flying out migrants, hundreds of them every single day, trying to get them out. So the majority mean, of migrants, mean it's driving up flight costs. It's driving up of, flight costs. So the majority of these migrants are being transported to major cities, connected with family members, sponsors, all that stuff. So you're seeing migrants dropped off in New York City, Washington, D.C., L.A., Phoenix, which actually was shocking was Gavin Newsom actually came out and said if title 42 expires that california cannot take in taking in taking any more migrants that all their shelters have been overwhelmed even gavin newsom is saying that we need a stronger border policy um wow. so right now what we're seeing is this overwhelmed systems and shelters and el paso is actually kind of a microcosm for the story and what i mean by that is el paso started getting hit by 2000 2500 3000 migrants per day so their shelters got overwhelmed. I, that's where I flew over there. And that's where we got all that powerful video of migrants literally being released to the streets of downtown. Like women, children were like, hey, we don't even know. Here you go. Just sleep on the streets. And you have like, you know, we went out there and we got some powerful interviews. Like I was interviewing kids, women out there with like a seven month old baby. One, one woman told me that it was getting so cold that her baby was turning purple. Her baby was only like 18 days old and they were just releasing them. To the streets and the reason i was getting these interviews is you know obviously to share these stories to share the human side but to be to also tell americans that there's nothing humane about this open border policy like we have migrants sleeping on the streets and when i was out there in el paso it was you know i didn't see the city of el paso down there saying hey you know here's a sweater here's here's supplies like what do you need from us the city was never down there helping these people it was literally regular folks from el paso regular taxpayers had to go down there and donate and like you know like uh, like regular people were going down there just feeling really mad and we're like you know what i don't want this like mom and her kids to sleep on the street like i'll buy you a hotel night for two nights at least to keep you off the street for two nights like it was insane that like this is happening in the u.s and um the reason i i bring up el paso again is because it was in the news recently but it's a microcosm of what's happening every single border city um yuma where i just left the whole county declared an emergency because they thought Title 42 was going to expire. You have Eagle Pass running out of room. What is Title 42? What is Title 42? Title 42 is the uh, Trump era policy that was that was placed under the pandemic, where if you cross illegally as a migrant, because we're in a pandemic, Trump could just deport you ASAP, meaning no asylum hearing. But they're nothing. not even doing that. But they're not even doing that. They so you're it, saying the thought of the policy is actually stopping. Um, even more people, but the policy isn't even being enforced. Uh, Title 42 processes allowed U.S. to expel upward to 2 million migrants from the border, including surge of Haitian asylum seekers last year, Venezuelans who have been coming in large numbers, and Mexicans who make up the bulk unauthorized migrants in the Southwest. But what you're saying is, is that they're not – it sounds like they're not actually even using Title 42 for most of the people. 
Okay, no, no, they're not. They're releasing the most. They're using Title 42, but very minimally. Like, they're, you know, it's not something that they're enforcing by a lot. It's it's very minimal that they've used it. They're not releasing a lot of, uh, I mean, they're, they're not deporting a lot of migrants. The majority are getting released. The reason, so just, I want to make this clear for the audience because I don't want to confuse them. So one, the reason I say, even if Title 42 stays or leaves, it's not stopping the illegal immigration because I get, I get, I always get asked, they said, hey, Jorge, if Title 42 stays, is that going to slow it down? No. The reason why it's not going to slow it down because you don't have any deterrence from this administration. Keyword, deterrence. Under Trump, you had deterrence. And what deterred migrants was remain in Mexico policy. The, under Trump. Oh, the while of, you the, wait for your court case. I think you exactly. mentioned that before. So, so under Trump, the thinking, it's, it's all about mindset, literally. So the thinking was. As a migrant, they would say, well, why would I put myself in the hands of cartels and smugglers and go through this dangerous journey just to cross the U.S. either for Trump to literally pick you up and put you in a Mexican border town, which is sometimes more dangerous in the home country that they're fleeing and put you in this Mexican border town. And, say, and then Trump will say, hey, you know what? We'll give you that court case, but you're going to wait in Mexico for it. We're right. not doing what Obama did because Obama would say, OK, we'll give you the court case, but we'll release you in the U.S. And come to no surprise, only 14% of the time that migrant even goes to that court case. Right. I mean, wow. They're yeah, they're gone after that. So Trump, Trump said, hold on. No, no. He said, we'll give you the court case, but you're going to wait in Mexico for the court case. And that right there deterred. I mean, right there, that's what we, we never saw that wave of illegal immigration because every migrant would say, it's not worth it. Like we would have, we would be placed in Tijuana, we'd be placed in Matamores, we could be placed in Sura Juarez, which is all, I mean, those are cartel controlled. Um, so it's all about deterrence. So right now you don't have it. What, what's the mindset right now is as long as I touch American soil, You're good. I'm good to go. I'm good to go after that. What happens, what happens to these people? Will they be deported in five years or 10 years? No, they just come here and they start the process of becoming legal. Not even that. I mean, the thing is, a lot of these folks get what they what they, it's called an NTA, which is a notice to appear in court. I mean, that that rarely happens. Um, that also that that court case, it could it could it could be for another two years. It could be another five. It could be even more than that because the the whole immigration system is overwhelmed. So even the judges and the court cases, the immigration judges, it's all overwhelmed. So even if I if you get a court case, it might not even be for five years from now. So th during that whole time. They're legally allowed to be in the U.S. after that. The federal government is legally allowing them to be in the U.S. Um, are some of the folks going to be citizens? Sure. Maybe 5%. What a mess. What I mean, I'll give mess. it 10% just to be like, you know, just to be like, you know, just to give a little bump. Let's say 10% if, I mean, I don't even, I don't think it's going to hit 10 at all. Uh, but just say, let's just say if that, but the majority are not, the majority are not going to assimilate. Uh, these people are, I mean, are low skilled. Um, they're not going to adapt to the system. They're not going to pay taxes into the system. There's a great story. I don't know if you want to pull it up, Matthew, from Yuma. There's a Yuma border town hospital that's been left with 20 million in like unpaid services from all the migrants they've been attended to. But obviously, they're not they're not going to get paid from the migrants. The federal right. government isn't going to reimburse this hospital. Um, so it's just it's a complete disaster. Which basically ruins the hospital also for the local taxpayers. Ruins it. Exactly. Um, in Texas, it's getting to the point where only certain amount, I mean, they're running out of, uh, basically medical offices to even treat the migrants. They're running out of, uh, uh, offices to even do the autopsies to see how, the cause of death for migrants. For folks who don't know, 
under under Biden and Harris, we've already had over 700 migrant deaths, which is a record. Could you imagine even half of those migrant deaths under a Trump administration? I mean, you would have Don Lemon and CNN living at the border. I mean, going live. You would have Anderson Cooper in Mexico, like traveling with the migrants. I mean, it would be mm-hmm. insane the amount of mainstream media coverage. I mean, New York Times would be all over. That's a that's a that's a really great point. Yeah, one guy on a horse, and they tried to paint him as he was hitting people with the whip, and yet you have people drowning every day because of the policy. Um, I was literally looking at PCP pipes with the name Baby John Doe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, like take take the politics out of it. Take the Democrat like on a human level. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are we? It's written on the PVC pipe, like in Sharpie. It's it's like written on the pipe with the sharpie. It's, it's, it's just a little makeshift thing, and and that's all they got. Like they, that's all they got. And and actually, somebody saw our story. Um, you know, some somebody saw our story from that, and like they literally went down to Eagle Pass and like donated a thousand bucks to the cemetery. They're like, here's a thousand bucks. Like at least bury these people with like proper tombstones. And like it's not Eagle Pass's fault. Obviously, like they're right, they're literally right. doing what they can. It's not their fault that they have to deal with a death a day, which is. I mean, that's Dude, this insane. is like an old Clint Eastwood movie where like the people would die and they would just dig a hole and then put like a wooden cross on. And, and, like, and, yeah. and, and dude, and what makes me mad, man, too, is like after being on the border and seeing this, I mean, constantly in every trip I go to, what just irks me is then seeing like the whole white progressive and the celebrities and that whole fake shit. And what I mean by that is like some stupid thing would happen and they got to make a video say, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening in our country or like. You know, they, they do the whole fake social justice thing or like, you know, during during the riots, I remember you go on Amazon and Amazon in your face, Black Lives Matter. If you take Uber, Uber, do you want to donate five bucks to the Ukraine war? Where Where is everyone for this one? Yeah. Where's all the corporations for this one? Like, Our like neighbors, you know, like and I'm and I'm, and I'm Hispanic and it irks me more because it's like you guys don't even care about Latinos. It's such a fake thing to, to, you know, that you guys act like you guys care about like like Latinos and the Latino people. You guys don't care. It's it's black and brown people that are dying at the border. It's not you know what I'm saying it's not mm-hmm. white people. It's black and brown people. But there's no there's no social justice cause. There's no celebrity making a video saying, "Oh my God!" Like there's babies dying at the border. There's you know there's there's they're, they're being buried in the cemetery. They can't even identify the babies. Oh, wow. none of that. Yeah. None of that. N- nothing. No big corporation push. Nothing from your favorite. You know. Right now, we're supposed to be going to a concert, and like Lizzo supposed to you know supposed to start her show in the middle of her show. Lizzo supposed to be like, "Hey guys." Donate like I don't know this amount of money so we can save the migrants. None of that. Like you don't hear none of that. Nope. They're more worried about the next transgender issue. Yeah. In school and yeah, exactly. Those none communities of that, are at risk, right? So hey, I hope um, this. I hope this just shows people how all that all that fake, you know, virtual signaling and the whole social that's all BS. Yeah. They don't. They couldn't give an f about these migrant kids down at the border, dude. By the way, wow. you're reporting. It's it's interesting you say that. I want to go back to something we talked about in the very beginning. The fact that you do go down there um, with your minimalist crew is the reason why you get the footage of things, uh, what's really going on. You have a crew of 30. You're not getting anything real. You're getting, first of all, none of those people are passionate like you. They're there just to make a paycheck. It's not a dig at them, but that's all that they're doing. Right. You know, There's probably two, maybe just the reporter is the only one who cares. They want to break something new for their own career. But you can actually go down there and and get those shots like the smuggler taking money that tent city jorge that, that we saw is that was that on the mexican side or on the u.s side mexican side is that yeah, a hotel was, basically do those tents always stay there those people just stay there and then move on and the tents stay there so 
that part is that's called Surah Horus, and right across it is, is El Paso. And just for folks who don't know, Surah Horus is like in the top ten most dangerous cities in the world. I mean, it's right. completely cartel control. So these are one of those cities where is, all the girl, girls go missing all the time that I've read exactly. about. Right. So yeah. what happened is the cartel started picking Surah Horus as a route that they liked again, and they started bringing in thousands of of, of migrants. Now, what was interesting is. What was putting up there was about 2,000 tents, majority Venezuelan, um, because basically they made the journey and then Biden, I don't know if you want to pull it up, Matthew, I forgot the exact policy, but Biden, he actually put in this like last minute policy of saying that if you're a Venezuelan and you turn yourself in illegally, they were just going to like deport you automatically. Like, you had to go through a port of entry. So what was building up there was actually this kind of Venezuelan migrant camp because they were like, hey, we're going to get deported if we go in there as individuals. Um, so that's why you see a lot of folks going in there as families, you know, you know, fake, a lot of oh. fake families doing that. Um, but um, they were all kind of anticipating Title 42 to end. And then when it did it, they just kind of crashed the border at once. And then Surah Horas themselves, the officials went in there and just kind of cleared that camp out because optically it was looking bad because we were just it kept just hitting, you know, going on the news. And it just looked, yeah, optically it was just bad for Surah Horas. Who Who cleaned it up? Who cleaned up the camp? Um, basically the, the Mexican officials or like, or Surah Juarez officials went in there, they cleaned it up. And then I think within three or four days, they were, they got hit with another wave of just thousands, just crashing it again. And then they just kind of put their hands up and they're like, all right, we, we kind of give up. And it, it got so bad. Um, uh, as you guys started, I mean, you guys probably seen the viral videos that were going out of El Paso because it was in the news. It got so bad. I mean, literally the democratic mayor of El Paso, who was instructed by the Biden administration to not declare an emergency was forced to declare an emergency because they just got to a point where they couldn't handle it anymore why did so he tell him not to declare an emergency for political reasons like they didn't yeah. want the attention yeah department of homeland security and the biden administration basically um had they basically told the mayor to not declare an emergency because optically it was going to hurt biden and the mayor agreed the mayor like a good like a good boy said yes yes mr biden and he didn't declare an emergency then about 10 days went by and it just got so bad. And in the media onslaught, I mean, by that time, see, the, the thing is, there's there's moments where the story gets too big, even mainstream media can't can't even turn away. So once mainstream media started hitting it harder, he was forced to declare an emergency. That's why then we saw National Guard down there. They had the Humvees on the bank. So as of right now, the crosses in El Paso plummeted. But um, I mean, that's I, in my prediction, it's going to rise as soon as those Humvees and the National Guard leave because an emergency is declared. You, it is going to last for about 30 days. So it should I think it's going to end, I think, like in the middle of January, like January 20th. If it, it, it'll, it'll end. We'll kind of see what's the move after that. Uh, but they, right now they got National Guard down there. They got, you know, like two miles of razor wire. They got Humvees down there um, just so show some force and, be, you know, at least show some some side of the Have some presence. Yeah, exactly. Is the wow. is the is the wall doing anything? No, um, in some Border areas, wall? yeah. But at, at, at the the reason it's not is because by the time that these migrants make it to the wall, they're technically on American soil, and and by technical terms, they're since they are on American soil, the federal government has to basically deal with the issue. Um, mm. So it's just it's it's just been, man. Like you know, people always ask me like, hey, Jorge, is there any like what's a positive side? Yeah. <laughs> right yeah, now. yeah. I mean, I wish, I literally wish I could tell you, I feel like every time I go on the show too, it's just gotten like drastically worse. Cause I always tell yeah. myself it can't, um, but it is, I don't know how accurate this number is, but there's a, um, I believe they're like a nonprofit 
kind of group, uh, think tank in DC. Uh, they're, they're, it's called fair. It's like something immigration, something, but they had a, they had an article not too long ago where under Biden and Harris, they, we already had 5.5, uh, illegal apprehensions at the border. I mean, 5.5 million illegal apprehensions at the border, which is, I mean, that's absolutely insane. Um, this is also also playing a role with Central American countries. So for folks who don't know, El Salvador has uh, Nayib Bukele, who's their president. Nayib Bukele um, and Trump had a great relationship. And the reason why they had a great relationship is because he liked that Trump was strong on the U.S. border because it translates to, to El Salvador. Bukele, is a, is, Bukele has a vision of we don't want Salvadorians leaving the country because we need them here to help the economy, which is very obvious. Um but together, they, they actually had a great relationship where they kept Salvadorans from the, the, um, illegally migrating. Uh, Trump basically forced Mexico to have troops on their, uh, on their border. So on the, on the Guatemala-Mexico border, um, Mexico had a huge strong, uh, you know, full force right there with their National Guard. That's all gone now. Um, but there was a summit of Americas back in June, if I'm not mistaken, of last year, where, you know, you have South America, Central America, United States, Canada, all the world leaders they meet in, in L.A. actually discuss issues. El Salvador declined to meet with the U.S. over its immigration policy because El Salvador is pissed off because since we have an open border system, it, it's going to it's basically enhances human smugglers. Uh, uh. basically continue to the whole the whole process. So El Salvador is very pissed. Guatemala is very pissed. Um, they hate the, the open border policy because it basically it empowers the human smugglers in their countries. So El Salvador right now had to step up human smuggling charges. They're they're doing the, the best they can. Um, but El Salvador is rebounding. So I, I'm not meeting a lot of you know El Salvadors that are that are legally crossing. I want to I want to read you guys a list of um, these are all the states with less than three million people. So if you think three million immigrants have come in in the last three years, I don't I don't know what the exact number is. Maybe Caleb will pull up a second. Mississippi, Kansas, New Mexico, Nebraska, Idaho, West Virginia, Hawaii, New Hampshire, Maine, Montana, Rhode Island, Delaware, South Dakota, North Dakota, Alaska, and the District of Columbia, uh, Vermont, Wyoming. All yep. basically, you could take any of those states, remove all the citizens, and fill them with migrants, and that's. That's what you're looking at. It's more people than uh, Guam, the U.S. Virgin Islands, American Samoa, uh, North uh, Mariana Islands. Basically, that's happening real time right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's that's crazy. Montana, insane, Rhode dude. Island, and Delaware have 3 million Jeez. people between the three of them. No other country in the world is allowing this. I also want to mention we are. It's not a in- country at this point is what is the scary part. Every, <laughs> it, it's so crazy. The also the astonishing the record number of unaccompanied minors reaching the border. I think we've already had half a million unaccompanied minors reach the border. And let me, wow. let me explain in the last two years. The, yeah, let me explain what happens on the U.S. side. So when you have all these unaccompanied children reaching the border with all these other migrants, guess like I said, it overwhelms the systems. When it overwhelms the systems, guess what the U.S. government has to do? They have to release these unaccompanied minors to vetted sponsors. Quote, vetted. You know how oh, long yeah. it takes to vet an individual before you release a child? I mean, this should take, I mean, at least six months. Dude, they're, they're, because they're so overwhelmed, they're just vetting, like, basically, they're just expediting the process. According to Axios, let me repeat this again. According to Axios, Axios is not right wing, as you guys know. Axios is basically mainstream. According to Axios, one out of three unaccompanied children that get released inside the United States, the government is now losing track of when they do the follow-up. The government oh, is losing wow. track of one out of three 
unaccompanied children that get, that get released inside the United States. If I told you guys one out of ten, that it's already a, that's already insane, bro. That's already ten percent. We're losing one out of three, and they're getting lost in the sex trafficking industry. They're yeah. getting lost in um, a lot of them in the labor trafficking. So they're getting forced to work on the illegal marijuana operation, something that we we reported mm-hmm. on, something that we we've talked to witnesses about the Honduran teens being forced to work on these on these girls. This is insane. This is happening in the U.S. Like it's like the unaccompanied minor children. That's a whole other story. And I just want to sex trafficking thing is real. Oh yeah, that that right there. It's not a. It's not. It's not a conspiracy. Like I said, this is from Axios, and um, you know, I did a whole story just on unaccompanied children at the border in McAllen because I was just meeting so many, and I remember I was interviewing three, three of them, and there was two brothers and a sister. The sister was like eight years old. The brother was like 10, even the oldest was like 12, right? I'm interviewing these, these siblings. And I go, where's your parents? Back in Guatemala, we came alone. And as I'm interviewing, that stat came up to my head. I said, oh, my God. They don't even know that one of them is going to get released in, inside the U.S. And they're going to be lost forever. Like, the government is, can, can no longer find that vetted sponsor. And they're expedite, they're literally expediting the process because they're so overwhelmed. I mean, you would think to vet an adult or somebody a sponsor for a children like this would take maybe six months minimum like a year and so, and so yeah. there's people at the border who know this is happening and they're probably they see this as an opportunity to collect kids and put them into this type of environment sex trafficking well, labor oh, camps what, what, what is happening is you, you're having fake like these kids are being trained to be like oh yeah i do have a family member it's it's this person and then even the government is connecting to say hey are you this person can you pick this person up? Yes. And they just pick them up. And then when they do the follow-up, like in two months and say, hey, let's let's see how Maria's doing. The eight-year-old that we released to Pablo. Hey, Maria. Oh, wait, we can't. They're not picking up the phone anymore. All right, let's let us let's go to the home they gave us the address to. Oh, wait, they're not there anymore? What do you think is happening, dude? Like, yeah, this, this is, is bad. insane. Yeah. This is and, insane. And going back to what you were saying earlier, we just sent we just spent two point six billion dollars on the lawyers for the January sixth thing. We just sent billions of dollars over to Ukraine. We have all these corporations and celebrity crying about oppression, reparations, and slavery from the past, and it's happening right fucking now to the kids. And not one dude. peep from corporate media, not one peep from these corporations virtual signaling on all the bullshit they normally do. Dude, where where's our speech from the Oscars? Where's the where's the, where the you know where's our speech when the actors yeah. get the award? Where's Leo? Where's Leo? Yeah, you know, yeah, where's Leo? You know, they get the award and go, hey guys, I just want to use my platform to shine a light that one out of three unaccompanied children that are reaching the border are getting lost in sex trafficking. Nothing, nothing, nothing. crazy. Um, uh, wow. Jorge, what's happening with the politics in these towns? Are these towns that were, are any of these towns flipping the script? Are any of them like, holy shit? We're not going to vote Democrat anymore. Do you see any like big shift in politics at the border towns? Yeah. Yeah, so so just for some for some context here, um, all these border towns are overwhelmingly Hispanic Latino voters. They vote Democrat pretty heavy. Maybe you could, the only maybe the town that you can kind of get out of that is, is San Diego. San Diego is the exception. It's like literally a major city. I'm talking about these border towns of South Texas and Arizona, overwhelmingly Democrat and overwhelmingly Latino. Obviously, overwhelmingly uh, uh, working class. So you have these towns now taking a beating from. The obviously the migrant crisis. So you actually have loyal Democratic voters voting Republican for the very first time off this issue. Actually, I traveled to South Texas uh, during the midterms to cover to to interview voters of kind of about this phenomenon because in South Texas 
they were seeing huge drastic shifts to the Republican Party that they've never seen in history. And they were happening in, in these time spans that were, I mean, it was huge, huge uh, uh, point shifts. I, I believe, like, if you look at um, back in 2016, Clinton beat Trump by, like, I think over 40, 50 points in South Texas. I mean, she blew him out of the water. And they, you know, four years later, Trump made historic end games in all those border towns, a lot of Hispanic communities. Some of them he was actually able to flip um, a Republican. If you guys remember Myra Flores, uh, yeah. the congresswoman who flipped a district, she yeah. flipped a district that was uh, was voting Democrat for 100 years. So she's still in, right? That just happened. She's still in. She's still in. That was historic. The other one who's joining her is Monica De La Cruz in South Texas. She was able to flip a district that's been Democrat for 60, 80 years. Um, so what's happening now is that you're having people wake up to the issue. Um, they, you know, when I'm down there, they kind of feel this like anger. They feel this like, hey, you forgot about us, like kind of feeling like, hey, um, and they hate the whole Ukraine thing. Like, you, you, you speak to the Hispanics down there in South Texas. They hate the whole Ukraine and donated billions. So the, the sense you get from folks is you get the anger and they, they feel that they've been forgotten about, like almost like like they've been spit on and just like kind of pushed to the side. Um, like, well, like we're, we made fun. it here legally. We're taxpaying people yep. down here, yeah. and 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 now you're they letting our city get overrun. Yeah, I was actually interviewing this like base Mexican dude who was like, oh, I mean, he literally just spoke Spanish, Mexican national, who is a U.S. citizen who opened up his own business in McAllen, and he was like, dude, I mean, the border is one thing, he said, but but the cultural shift in the Democrats. I was like, what do you mean by that? He's like, he's like this whole push to the whole trans movement and like you know kids could be who they want. He's like, that is not what we do. And he's like, I'm a Catholic. That, 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 that's against my religion. He said, they, they just move way too far on the, on the social issues. So that's, mm-hmm. that's also kind of a, an issue for them down there. I mean, you go down there in South Texas, folks are really religious. They go to church every day. Like it's that type of community. So once you go too left on the social issues, you're going to lose folks um, who maybe just vote, a, you know, vote a Democrat, um, you know, for economic reasons or, all, or, or other stuff. Um, but on that, they feel like they moved too far left. Myra Flores, I think what helped her win was her messaging. And when I saw her campaigning, one thing that she always said is, I'm all about God and family and country. And that might sound simple, but when, when you convey that message to your voters and actually believe it and are from there and people see that, it's a winning message. And people relate to that. One thing Myra also said that I think connected with those Hispanic voters was, hey, I'm not even like a like a diehard Republican. Like I'm not I'm not even like Republican Party first. He says I'm God first. Like yeah. I, I'm gonna put the, this party even ahead of that. So mm-hmm. that type of messaging won with folks, and mainstream media couldn't understand it. Like if you watch MSNBC, they were trying to understand why are we seeing this shift in South Texas. Their minds blew up. They couldn't understand what was going on. New, the New York Times had this piece after Myra won, and it was the headline was the rise of the far right Latina, and the whole piece was a hit piece obviously against Myra, but it was more to me, it was almost an attack on her voters. It was an attack on people that went to church. It was an attack on people that are conservative, that you know, believed in just marriage and family. Like the little basic things, the New York Times just attacked those people. And I and, and I and I said this when I when I said the piece, I said, you mother efforts, like you white progressives, white liberals, you know, living in your you know Manhattan apartment, you don't understand working class people. You don't know someone that goes to church. You don't know someone that like has to get up nine to five and like, they, you know, they you know, put in their kids to school. Like you don't, you don't know that and they can't relate. And it's those same white progressives that want to tweet black lives matter thinking that they understand minorities, you know? So that's, that's, that's the funniest thing is they, they want to be the ones that yeah. are like, Oh no, we care about Latinos and Hispanics. 
but then you know literally would like shit on these people in in, in media so um south texas to me is, is very interesting and we'll kind of see what happens as if those trends continue forward for the republican party uh, where do you go next what, what else are you working on besides the border so right now we are in communication with multiple communities in Ohio and Indiana, um, and we want to go deep into the fentanyl uh, crisis. It's oh well, we watched. Uh, we had Dominic Tierno on the show. Holy oh, he's shit! Awesome. Yeah, Holy I mean, cow! I, he's I, amazing. Yeah, I, when I met him, I was like, "I'm like, bro, you guys, you got to go on my man's podcast. He's great, and he's amazing. He, he, he's super busy, but but um, I'm, I'm glad you guys also made that that one happen. Um, the movie rocked me, dude. Yeah. The, uh, this movie and his other one, Life of, he has another movie out. I watched both of them. They Dude, rock. that movie is so powerful, and like I'm, I'm glad he made it like for schools and for people to view it. The, the, the I remember the, the, the scene that got me was you had this dad talking about his daughter overdosing, and then when he mentions that he's like a cop, and I was like, oh my god, like even happened to him where someone who was like just on top of it. Um, and it's, it's movie a too, Knox's story. Holy cow. Yeah. Really yeah. people just take 20 minutes and watch it. If you have kids, you have to watch this. If you do drugs, you have to watch this. Yeah. Basically the message of the movie is you just can't do drugs anymore. And the reason why is not because you'll get addicted, but because you're going to die. Yeah. The, the vast majority of people, it seems like who are dying from fentanyl, they weren't even trying to do fentanyl. That's what's fucking crazy. Imagine hey, look, you I, can I, of, I, drinking a soda pop and then there was fentanyl in it and you died. Look, I'm 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 27 years old. So like back in my high school time, like I was in high school like 10 years ago. When I was in high school, it was still the era where you could pop and take anything, right? Like a yeah. kid's like, hey, take an ecstasy, take this. Yeah, I don't care. You know, you would take care. That that era is done. Yeah. Because now almost all that stuff is mixed with fentanyl. Like you were saying, all these overdoses are people that that thought they were taking a Vicodin that that you know weren't we're looking for this hardcore drug. Um, and it's in everything. And the so the next thing that well, I'll be kind of trying to dabble my 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 reporting in is we want to go into Indiana, Ohio. These are all overwhelmingly white working class blue collar towns that have been destroyed um, by fentanyl. So we we're hoping to do some deep stories, some human stories out of there. That that's, that's my next big focus. Um, obviously you always kind of keep an eye on the border as you know, doing this because it's something, you know, if something breaks their news. We'll, we'll be there. But my main thing is highlighting these human stories. Um, I would like to tell more kind of the powerful human stories this year. So we'll be focused on that. I'm still going to be focused on the illegal marijuana grow operation. Um, with the more reporting I do, I, I get more information about it. I actually have more people reach out to me. So an area that I'm hoping to get, uh, get to is South Oregon. South Oregon right now is experiencing, experiencing a huge explosion in illegal marijuana grows connected to hey, Mexican What city cartel. in South Oregon? You're talking like Ashland, Oregon? I think so. I've never been, but I, I, I've been getting emailed by residents in South Oregon who are telling me, you have to come here. You have to come here. It's horrible down here. So um, there's a connection with, I believe, South Oregon and then Northern California. You have a lot of the same folks working in Northern California, traveling to South Oregon. There's a huge Mexican cartel issue. Um, so I'm hoping to get there and, you know, just hit the yeah, ground. Ashland and or Medford. That, yeah, yeah, that would be Medford. crazy if those places got overrun because those are hate. Those are massive Democrat uh, ha havens. You know well, what I mean? That's Medford. where liberals. Yeah, that's where liberals go. Old liberals go to die. I mean, that is, you know, they have the, the Shakespearean festival there. That is that is like that's their stronghold. That's like uh, Oregon's, you know, Berkeley. That's where they, they get to put the BLM sign up, but you can't. They would never allow a black person to live in the town. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. I mean, I wish I was yeah. joking, but 
No, you're 100 percent right. No, you're right, dude. It's a, that's the best. The fake righteousness. Um. So yeah, that's, that, that's that is. By the way, that's the systemic racism. By the way, we all know. We find we the first we thought there was no systemic racism. Now we know that there is, and the systemic racism is telling people that there's systemic racism. That's the foundation. It's it's a very clever trick. It's a very very clever trick. Yes, you know I'm so if, if anyone who is listening to this podcast and you're from South Oregon, message me, help me out here, um, and we'll kind of see what happens. And and as, as always, guys, I'm always gonna be on the ground for, for anything super breaking news, right? So like anything can happen. That that's kind of the name of that's kind of the, the game of, of news. So anything can happen. Um this year though, I'm hoping to go more international. So hopefully going to di- uh different countries. Um, different borders to kind of see what's going on and, and, you know, continue to get better, learning all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, continue developing. Um, do you know this guy? His name's Tommy G. He's on YouTube. Have you heard of this guy? That sounds very familiar. Very, um, very familiar. Yeah, he'd be a great. Caleb, I, I'll drop you a, uh, a link in the chat. Um, th- check out this guy's, he, this guy was on the show. You already got it. Beat me to it. This guy was on the show and there is a story here um, where he goes to a town in Philadelphia called. Oh, I already know. It's called Kensington Beach. Has to be. Uh, no, uh, no. Um, what was the name of the town? Yeah, like the Kia Boys? No, no, not the Kia Boys ones. This was a Philadelphia. Where was the town? Oh, Kensington. Kensington. Yeah. The, city of, yeah. the city of zombies. Yep, Kensington Beach, they call it. Oh, Kensington Beach. Okay. Um, please watch that. And if you he is a great guy, you would love him. Mm-hmm. And his story. So this video starts with like, hey, maybe we'll see some people shooting in public. The entire there's the whole town is littered with people shooting drugs in public. <laughs> and literally in the first 30 seconds, he walks up and someone has to get Narcan. He's like, look, she's got her pipe in the hand right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this guy, this you would love this guy, Jorge. He's cut from the same cloth as you. Um, and ba- what's really cool about him too is he's just this white kid, and he goes to fucking places where like no white people fucking travel, right? And uh, it's really great. And if you, if you, uh, and he would love to hear from you, and I can make the introduction. I feel like I owe you something for uh, introducing me to Dominic Tierno. But uh, this guy's awesome, great. And this guy lives for this stuff. This is what he wants to do. He just makes these really short documentaries, but dude, they're so powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and, dude, and then there was the other great. one, the most dangerous. Uh, if you want to see another crazy one, it's called the most dangerous city in America. And he's basically just hanging out in the middle of the street with these like 13 kids. And each of them has a Gucci bag, a machine gun, and then a, a gun in their Gucci bag. <laughs> and they're just in a neighborhood. Like and they 16, hang out there for hours. 15. No cops come. Nothing, dude. Dude, welcome to America, dude. I mean, yeah, it, it is nuts. Somebody, yeah, hey, I would love. I would it's right love up California. your alley. It's right up your yeah. alley. Yeah, this is it's insane, bro. We are we got to this point in America where it's we literally look like third world cities, third world yeah. cities. It's a disaster. Yeah, dude, I would I would love to connect with them. Yeah, Kensington Beach is a gnarly, gnarly place. Yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for always returning my text. I know you are crazy, crazy busy. Uh, busy. busy. Uh, congratulations on all of the uh, success. Uh, I see you on uh, TV all the time. It's uh, every I, I smile so big when I see you on Tucker and uh, the Daily yeah. Call or any of these new shows. When my dad knew who you were, I was stoked. Yeah, let's <laughs> go, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, you're making us. You're, I'm so proud to know you, dude. So uh, thank you for everything you do, and thanks for always being available to us. Yeah, you're yeah man. So I appreciate, appreciate you guys having me on, man. And I'll, I'll keep you guys look i'll keep you guys in 
in the in the know of, of, of any big projects that, that we work on this year. Um, man, I gotta come up and see you guys. Dude. I need a I need a CrossFit yeah. workout, dude. That's yeah. anytime. Hey, yes. you can come stay. Any if you're ever in Santa Cruz, you're welcome to stay with me. We got an extra bedroom. Uh, you're always welcome. Dude, go to my gym. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, right appreciate now. it, guys. Bring your I'm mask. Drink, bring your mask yeah. and your uh, backside. Uh, proof drink of backside. <laughs> Hit the gym. Get it in. You too. Now let's do it. All good awesome. Stuff. Thank you. All right, guys. Man. Thanks. All right. Cheers, brother. Have a good day. Happy New Year. Man, people like him are so important right now. It's insane. The importance of, of what he's doing and his motivation to continue to cover this and go to those places and do these stories is. I don't think we realize the debt, the you know, the debt that we actually owe Jorge and people like him for doing what he's doing. Because if it wasn't for him going out there and doing it and putting these stories in the face, and we were just only subject to the stuff that the the corporate media is, is shoving down our throats, we would have no idea about the extent of what's happening on our borders and and these other crises that are part, popping up with the illegal marijuana grows and when Florida was like didn't have any water and shit like that. Um, He's technology too. It's cool that the technology that people like, you know, him and Tommy G can just put shit together and yeah, it's, it's incredible. I actually think that's, what's ushering in all this craziness is that is the, the, the technology, this big, like playplonic playplonic. <laughs> I don't even know what the word I'm working for, but there's just massive shift that's happening. And there's a massive shift that's happening in, in control of power because it's being decentralized. And so the, the, the system and the powers to be as it is right now, are in a complete scramble to keep everything together. Uh, Trish, good God, the amount of hand wringing, and I had to look up what that meant, uh, clasping together and squeezing of one's hands, especially when distressed or worried, excessive display of concern or distress, the amount, so he's saying, uh, America has always had horrid poverty and violent areas. Okay, that's good. It got, people, it's not as bad as you think. Everything's fine. Chill out. This it's always been here for a hundred years. Don't worry. Just because Jorge stumbled across it for the first time in his life doesn't mean it's always been here. Just chill. The problem is this. I was raised in the Bay Area and I traveled to filming in a hundred countries and I saw stuff in those countries that I couldn't even fucking believe. One of the things was just tent cities. I'd never seen a tent city. I mean, I'd heard about them like uh, uh, in the Southern California deserts and about abandoned naval stations. What's that called? Like salt and sea shit. But now if you go to Berkeley or Portland, you can actually see tent cities just right in the fucking next to yeah. bougie uh, $5 million homes. And so something has changed. Have you been, to, you haven't been to Oakland lately, have you? Like West no, Oakland? But I, no, I, but I've dude, seen the footage. I've driven through dude. whole tent towns there. I've driven Bro, through like, you know, six blocks of tent towns. Tent, there, tent towns, five, that's like child's play. You should see now they got motor home towns. Oh, and it's all built up to where they're taking all this scrap plywood and stuff and, and, and building out so much that it's like a whole entire compound. And they got fucking front doors and you'll see even some of them got routers for internet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Crazy. insane, dude. I'm going to look up Oakland homeless and West city. Oakland. Yeah. Especially right under that 880 as it's going into going into the city, into San Francisco. And the, well, the crazy part is, is I've spent time on those railroad tracks, different story, but it it's complete. Like back then you thought it was kind of like bad and grimy. And now like you, it's just, it's unfathomable. One of it these days, like one of these things is going to burn down. Oh yeah, they. I mean, I'm sure that there's fires like that that happen all the time. I mean, they run them in Hayward and shit, where it's just a small little, you know, brush fire that's starting to pick up because you realize that inside that bush on the side of the road on the freeway, there was like four or five tents that were there. Yeah, 
You can just roll from 580 down and you'll see it. You could go to 880 once as soon as you get into like Castro Valley area. I mean, even here in Livermore, they pushed a lot of them out over by the gym where I live and stuff like that. I mean, a year ago, I went down there and was like filming all the stuff that they have. And right across the parking lot is a Home Depot and a Walmart. So they were just blatantly walking in there, stealing enough power tools, propane, whatever they could get their hands on that wasn't locked up. And then just walking out of the store as long as it was under a thousand dollars. And what ended up happening is that parking lot is part of Livermore. But as soon as you jump over the um, this small little curb and you go into where this valley is right before the freeway, they can they go, oh, that's out of our jurisdiction. That's actually Caltrans. That's yeah, they the uh, yes, they did that in Berkeley too, it. where the freeway yeah. runs through. The homeless would congregate by the by by the hundreds and hundreds, yep. and set up tent cities, and they would say it's Caltrans. Yeah, that city just washes his hand. Oh, we're concerned with it too, but unfortunately, there's nothing we could do about it legally because it's Caltrans, and then. Caltrans just says, "Oh well, we don't have the we don't have the resources and equipment. They don't got that shit under the freeway in Los Gatos, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Los Gatos is a very wealthy neighborhood just right over the hill from us. Like, mm-hmm. how come the wealthy cities have figured it out? Yeah, why aren't they? In, why aren't Tent City in front of Meta? Meta over there in Menlo yeah, right. Park. Right, right. You know, you don't see it out in front of YouTube headquarters. Right." We don't see it in front of Apple, the Infinity Loop, the fucking $2 billion campus they built that it's all glass circle. Uh, what? Someone asked, what was your favorite show of 2022? Oh, that's nice. I, I don't know what my favorite was, but oh, the one that popped up right away in my head was the show that I did with Kim, uh, the blind CrossFit chick. Oh, that was a great show. Yeah, that that one fucking rocked me. She took me out. She, she, that one worked me. Um... I don't know. I like. I, I don't remember if it was in 2022, but I always think back to that Kayla Harrison interview. I really mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I like any of the the whole the this. I'm really proud of the affiliate series. Yeah. Uh, I love how on on a lighter note, I love every the last time Rich was on, I was tickled. Um, I always like having Rich on. I mean, I it's awesome. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many, uh, man, it's been, it's been a crazy year. It's been fun. Um, Jethro Cardona. Um, thanks. Sevon, Souza, Caleb, Brian friend, Hiller, Jared Taylor, Tyler Watkins, John Young, all the guests, Sarah Cox. Yeah, definitely Sarah Cox. Definitely Sarah Cox. California hormones, uh, Travis, Gabe, and the whole live chat for a great year of content and laughs. Some tears. Yeah. My favorite, sh- my favorite part about this show just has to be our, the community of the people in the chat. <laughs> super awesome it's crazy so that's by by the way so that was it last night too that was i thought oh shit this sucks if i don't come on the show and someone wants to just hang for the night or you know what i mean like someone's just like cooking dinner or just driving on a long drive and i cancel the show they get kind of fucked Mm -hmm. and so i asked andrew if he would get on and uh, susa quickly got him the admin code and that was really cool that hiller did that yeah, I think we got to trim the, the first like 40 seconds out of that show too. Did what you watch the very beginning? No, it's Oh, oh yeah, what was that? It was like a, a CD was skipping. It was uh, it was actually that was actually my voice and it glitched because we Hiller and I were on the back end. I got them all set up. He switched out. I was like, "Okay, you ready?" He goes, "Yeah, you do it. Hit us, hit the button, take us live." So I said, "Okay." And then I clicked it and he goes and after I clicked it live, he goes, "Well, where are you at?" And I go, "I'm at a a brewery called the uh, Altima, and then it just kept going Altima, 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 Altima. Oh. Like the first thirty seconds to where I was like, I couldn't hear anything because I could just hear that. It's like, what the hell? So I 
thought like got out of it thinking that I just had a bad connection inside that brewery, but I didn't realize that that was actually some sort of glitch that was playing through the show the whole time. So for the first 30 seconds, we had to trim that because you can't even hill hear Hiller and uh, Alexis. I, it was weird being in the chat. I liked it. Excuse me. It was addicting as shit. It was so addicting. Yeah. It was funny because I, I jumped back on. Did you see the part where when I was dropping people off, I jumped back on when I was in the car real quick just to check on it and see, see how they were going and chatted with them on the show for a few minutes? Yeah. Did you catch that portion? Yeah. That and, cool. it, and it was funny because after that, uh, we're at the uh, house that we were at. We're at Grace's sister's house. And um, all of a sudden, I like hear Hiller and I look over and she's got her phone and she goes, these people in the chat are hilarious. And I'm like, you're still watching it? She would have reamed me if I was on my phone watching the <laughs> fucking... And I'm like, oh, you get to do it. She goes, oh, yeah, well, the people in here, they're they're funny. They're making a bunch of funny comments. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And she's just like reading the comments and watching the show. Did you just go over there and trim it? Is that what I saw you doing, Caleb? Uh, I was about to, but I was working on something else. Oh, I can trim it too after the show. Easy peasy. Uh, Victor Brown... Happy New Year, fellas. Oh, thanks, dude. 20 bucks. Looking forward to a great 2023 full of awesome podcasts and live call-ins. You guys are the best. God bless. We have been just bombing people. Uh, I want to get ahead of this a little bit <laughs> to crazy. come on for Wadapalooza. It is significantly harder getting female guests on. <laughs> you have to know that. It is significant no for some for Yeah, for some reason. Uh, I don't um, – <clears throat> so – but we're trying. Uh, we have a lot of athletes lined up. Um, and, uh, I did hear back from Paige powers. I've never interviewed her. So I'm really excited about that. And, and we, oh, cool. we, don't get me wrong. We'll have a lot of female guests, but it is interesting that it is so much more difficult to get uh, female athletes on. Um, and we have a ton of people we've reached out to, um, just right off the bat. I remember Patrick Vellner, uh, responded, Sam dancer responded, uh, Anola Kai, uh, responded. It's it's uh, uh Travis Mayer responded. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of another one. I don't know how many of you want to give oh. away. I could start rattling them all off, but o Olivia Kerstetter responded. Yeah. Did we get her uh, set up for January uh, January third? Yeah. I just gotta okay. we gotta just confirm and uh Rich Rich responded. Uh did did Samuel Samuel Conway did he respond? Not yet. Samuel. Did Guy respond? Not yet. Okay. I mean, you know how it is. And it was funny because I do know Grace saw it and she's like, what, why would you guys do that? That's so many people. I'm like, Hey, you just got to cast a huge net because if you, the, the bigger the net you cast, like if they, you know, if it all works out, but they're changing and traveling and training and we're trying to align times and all this stuff. Colton Mertens. Yep. Don't worry. Uh, Colton Mertens. Yes. Colton Mertens responded. Colton's coming on uh, tomorrow. We have uh, Patrick DeGode on, I think this is part of the affiliate series. I wanted his, I think his affiliate is somewhere trippy. Uh, like Madagascar or South Africa mm -hmm. or something. So, yeah, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. To look it up, but yeah. So that'll be a fun podcast tomorrow. And then it's, and then it's really going to just start picking up. It, it looks like there could be two, three podcasts a day. Yeah. I'm, I am really excited to meet Paige. Damascus. I was uh, really impressed. Uh, by her uh, performance this last year. Uh, yeah, probably Dick Mertens might call in. Uh, Colton's dad. <clears throat> you know, it's one. I have a question for the people in the chat. Would it? Oh, Danielle Brandon. We, we got her. Danielle, I don't even think she's a Wadapalooza, but it sounds like Danielle Brandon's going to I feel like she'll sometime. hang out at Wadapalooza. Maybe we'll get her to yeah. hang out with me for a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
Dallin Pepper. Oh, I lost my train of thought now. Uh, oh, I was going to ask the people in the chat because I've seen a lot of these comments of people who are normally in the chat and they've been saying that they're too nervous or afraid to call in. And I'm wondering if maybe we just gave some sort of theme that they call in on. So when we go, you know, whatever it is, we're like, hey guys, if you have a question about this or that and help to guide a little bit, would it make it more comfortable for you to call so you're not all nervous about it? Like, so it's not, um, it's not open-ended, basically. Like, we frame the call for you. So we're like, okay, so blah, blah, blah. If you guys have an opinion on uh, Caleb's hat or Sevon's sweatshirt, we're going to be talking about these two things. We run the clips. Go ahead and call in and give us your opinion on those two things. I don't know. I'm just throwing, I'm just throwing shot there, trying to get the calls yeah. going. Have you, ever, have you ever seen a man, grown man pee in public? Tell us your, your favorite. Please call in with your opinion and story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell Dude, us your Oh, here we go uh, with uh, Trish, the Buddhist. Existence is suffering. Suffering has a cause. That cause is attachment. There is a cessation of the suffering. There is a path to that cessation. Deep, Trish. Existence is suffering. Thank you, 499. Like yeah, that. or the affiliate questions. Yeah, we could do stuff like that later too. So I bet you, Trish, I wonder sometimes if Trish is my alter ego, a mix of comedy and like deep thought and more comedy. And drama. And, and, I just and, want to know and, what Trish really in. looks like. <laughs> you know, you don't. Kind of Eric, ruined, I think. Eric Wise, $20. Happy New Year, boys. This community has become something I look forward every day. And appreciate you all. Really looking forward to 2023. Cheers. Thanks, dude. Me too. Thanks, Eric. How cool is it that uh, this is uh, happening? How cool is it that I get to be like the, um, what's the kid who like tells on the other kids in the hall at school? The hall, hall monitor? monitor? Yeah. I've never been a hall monitor. I fucking <laughs> will never get it. And now I get to be a hall monitor. Fuck all y'all. I'm the like, kid who like I'm the kid who holds the stop sign up so the other kids can cross the street. Yeah, I'll tell you when you can go. <laughs> I didn't necessarily mean it like really Caleb's hat, Heidi. Come on. Only example. What are you gonna say, Heidi? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caleb probably paid an extra fifteen bucks to get that tear in the front. No, that looks like just a working man's hat. <laughs> like he just had that hat. I mean, look at it's got like the weird sweat glaze over the top where it's oh, like yeah. 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 One, so I had a hat before this it was exactly the same, except the W was like an American flag. And I wore that thing uh, for probably six or seven years. And I got, I had it when I met, had met my wife and I was like, yeah, it used to be like, it's always been a gray hat. She goes, no, it's the Navy hat. And now it's gray. I was like, no way. She went back and found a picture and it was blue. And then I wore that hat <laughs> so much that like the whole thing was like ripped apart. And then one year I was like, I'm not getting rid of this hat. And then one year uh, for Christmas or my birthday or something, uh, my wife got me another one. She goes, you need to throw that away. <laughs> so now I have this one. And she I've picked had this it up with her. like a set of tongs and like threw it out for you and gave you a new one. Hazardous waste. Put it in the, like the red bag. Yeah. Hey, I, w- I want to throw this in the, in the I, I'm, I'm erasing my, some of my notes that for some reason are still on here. But um, w- one of the things I forgot to mention the other day when I mentioned the story that Nancy Pelosi came into office in 2008 with $30 million, a net worth of $30 million. And then when she now she's worth $171 million. I wanted to also mention that I believe that Donald Trump is the only president in U.S. history whose net worth dropped while he was in office. 
Yeah, didn't he have to get rid of a bunch of assets or something? For what it's worth. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just coming out. It's funny. If you listen to the left talk about if taxes being released, you hear one thing. You hear it spun one way, and if you listen to the right news talk about it, it's talked about in another way. The left will never mention – like they just talk about how much money he has and how little taxes he paid, but they don't mention how much money he fucking lost in those years, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the, yeah, it's so <laughs> bullshit. So uh, so it's just I – guess, I guess it's just how you spin it. Um, we, talk, we, we, we talked about polar bears, right? Yeah. 1950, we there were – there were ten thousand polar bears. Now there's thirty thousand polar bears. What about because climate not change? Them anymore. Yeah, and yeah, but but yeah, they're the poster child for climate change. And coke. And just just as a heads up, I got to jump off here in a couple of minutes. Okay. Uh, we we played that. We showed the video of the girl putting her hand in her pants and then licking her finger. Yeah, yes. that was weird. <laughs> Is that we we showed how good Matt Fraser looks. With this yeah. open. Did you see the other one though? I said he kind of looked like he was getting a little fluffy. I don't know. I think he was he, trying to get fluffy for a while. He was like trying to get like a 500 pound deadlift or something, or like something. I don't know. Yeah. But he was just trying to get really strong. And I mean that for like Frazier, because obviously that dude's just going to be a specimen of physicality for his lifetime. But <laughs> he's a thick old boy. Yeah, but for Frazier. Hey, there is going to become a time where we're going to see that. You know how, like, you'll see like these professional fighters, like uh, you see Riddick Bow now, the guy who, who beat Mike Tyson, and maybe he's dead even now, but like he he put on two hundred pounds. Like one day we're going to see like a picture of Travis Mayer, and he's just going to be like sitting in a in a fucking on a John Deere tractor, one hundred fifty pounds overweight, <laughs> just a big old gut, right? <laughs> Um, oh man, my notes are so fucked up for some reason. God damn it. I'm gonna have to fix all these before I have to call and show. Okay, let's finish with uh 284, Bill Maurer, and then we will uh retire for the day. Can't wait for 277 to come up. Let me see. Wait, hold on. Maybe we can do 277. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a whole show. That's a whole show. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Presentism, which means judging everyone in the past by the standards of the present. It's the belief that people who lived 100 or 500 or 1,000 years ago really should have known better, which is so stupid. It's like getting mad at yourself for not knowing what you know now when you were 10. Stupid me, spending all that time raising sea monkeys, jerking off to a playboy in the barn. Who doesn't have moments from your past that make you cringe? Who hasn't said, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I wore that. I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I did that. You ate dirt. You wanted to be a ghostbuster. You shoplifted gum. You tried to be a white breakdancer. Yes, because we hadn't then grown into the persons we would become. And humanity writ large is just the collective version of that. Did Columbus commit atrocities? Of course. But people back then were generally atrocious. Everybody who could afford one had a slave including people of color, the Sumerians, the Egyptians, the Greeks, Romans, the Arabs, British, the early Americans. The Holy Bible is practically an owner's manual for slaveholders. The word slave comes from Slav because so many Slavic people were enslaved and they're as white as the Hallmark Channel. Who do you think gathered the slaves from the interior of Africa to sell to slave traders? Africans. 
who also kept their own slaves. We're a species prone to making others of our species our bitch. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. Humans are not good people. That's the truth, even though it doesn't jibe with the current narrative. But in today's world, when truth conflicts with narrative, it's the truth that has to apologize. Mm. Presence. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Enjoy. Play with your kids. Love someone. Make sure you love someone. God, make sure you love someone. It's so important to express love. All right, guys. See you later. Caleb, thank you. Uh, Susan, thank you. Jorge Ventura, uh, go ahead and uh, drop a couple bucks to Jorge. You guys are great. Uh, Please we will do, yeah. talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye.